And we are rolling. Da, 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 da. Between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of. And unto this mass movement, destined to bear the jeweled crown of geekdom upon its troubled brow. It is we, Mass Movement's chroniclers, who alone can tell thee of its saga. Let us tell you of the days of geek adventure. Mass Movement presents Mass Movement presents What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 26 of Masculine Presents, sponsored by Engineer Records. Next to me, nicely stuffed, probably slightly pickled from Christmas festivities, is my podcast partner, Mr. Tim Cundor. Hello, Christopher. How are you doing, Tim? Hello, I'm all right. We uh, hope you've all had a lovely Christmas and a happy new year, and I'm sure... No, we don't. Sorry, no, we don't. Give a fuck. <laughs> I'm sure 2021's going to be a blast, because, let's be fair, it can't get any worse, can it? Well, it's like the year that never happened, and will always will be 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a right. dickhead. Nevertheless, we have dug deep to uh, bring some more punky culture goodness. You hear our take on the finale of The Mandalorian and the huge Star Wars announcement from Disney recently. So many series. Oh my God, yeah, crazy. So we've been just going through those. Like, hello, hello, <laughs> hello. I'm forgetting, yes, come on, I might be over, I can do it again. Ten series in all, that's crazy. I know. Yeah. Tell me about it, my hand was so sore, I had so many blisters. <laughs> Uh, we'll be taking a deep dive into the varied career of uh, Henry Rollins, and we'll have an interview with one of uh, UK Hardcore's lifers, uh, Mr. Nathan Bean, a.k.a. Nate Kanan. The dude himself. But first of all, we've got a few beers on the go, and we want to talk about them. We do. So, yeah. Tiny Red will do a series of sours, and they call them Funk, and they're incredibly unusual, but they're also incredibly tasty, and you can drink these all day and not feel like you're getting pissed. You really can, yeah. Which is remarkable. You don't actually taste the beer. I mean, they are beery and they've got that lovely sour smell when you first open it. Yeah. So, and it really hits you. You can feel it on the back of your mouth and it hits your tongue. Yeah, we're um, not talking alcohol. Alcohol pops here. We're talking yeah, yeah. still very much a beer. Well, it's beer, yeah, yeah. But it's, sour, uh, yeah, sour beer. Goes down so well. Um, we're drinking the, the fizzy cola, sour. The fizzy cola one. It's and remarkable. It is, it is. It's tiny really amount knocked down the park again. Yeah. yeah and, they need, they need good. they need to get sponsoring us and just send us like loads of free beer because mm-hmm. you know we spend we spend weeks and weeks and weeks sucking on their dong, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, quite. And a reach around might be quite nice, like. <laughs> yeah, so it's a gorgeous beer, um, and you know it, it, it does give you that that sort of even you know the nose, the nose, the nose is fizzy cola bottles. <laughs> hello, hello, it's all on you. I feel like I'm putting my uh, my nose into a bag of like Haribo, you know. Yes, it's amazing, and <laughs> yeah. it just it's fantastic. So best place to order them is just go on there, hit their website and order them. So I noticed it's like they were doing a, a box for you know, like sixteen to thirty quid. Wow, and five quid delivery. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, I'm having that. that that's I'm what I got paid this morning. I'm gonna have that. <laughs> Treat to myself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So go to tinyrebel.com and uh, and order away. Bash it in. Get yeah. it down here quickly before you know. And then when you misery with... heads our way thanks to that fatulent turd in <laughs> number 10. And when you've done with the sours, go check out the rest of their range because mm. they've got some beauties in there. Oh, especially Imperial Porters. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
because it took long and long a long time. Yeah. I get very very hard while doing so. <laughs> Hi, this is Barney Veer from Night Farm Death, and through my many years of association, you're listening to Mass Movement. Okay, so the shit show that was 2020 kind of got a bit worse for us uh, towards the end. Yeah, with the the deaths of Dave Prowse, Jeremy Bullock, and Brody Lee, which anybody in geekdom will. Uh, What's about will, to be now? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean, okay, let's start with Dave Prowse. Obviously oh, known man. as the man, uh, the bodybuilder guy that's brought Darth Vader to life. The thing is, Dave Prowse has been part of my life since like 1978, mm. in one way, shape, or form. Yeah. And, you know, Jeremy Bullock's been the same since 1980. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Dave Prowse was just such a shock because you never thought it was going to happen. Same with Jeremy Bullock. You, you never see yeah. your idols go. I mean, it was a, when, when Carrie Fisher started, and then it was Peter Mayhew and Kenny Baker, and you just... Oh my goodness! You can't you can't contemplate the fact that these people are no longer here. So many of that iconic cast now. You look yeah. at that photo, and there's so many of them missing now. Well, there's only well Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill and Anthony Daniels left. Yeah, Anthony Daniels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that's such a shame. I mean, as you, oh, it's a shame that Anthony Daniels is still alive. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame they're just there. <laughs> yeah, the only three left. You evil bastards. <laughs> well, it was the way you said it. Well, <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it's not like I, I, I <laughs> Anthony Daniels, what a pick. Do you ever meet Dave? No. I remember, I remember a couple of times in, from in a con, uh, Comic Con sort of environment. Right. Um, but he was always one of those guys who always had a consistent queue, but not so, not a queue like where you were ushered away so you could spend time with him. Right. If you had questions, you'd answer him. Yeah. He always liked to meet friends. So I met him a couple of times in, in that sort of environment. He was always lovely, pleasant with my kids. And, um, I think he's very proud to be part, of, you know, associated with that role. You know, it's just it's. I mean, you see him as Darth Vader, but he was, he was also the Green Cross Code Man. Yeah, when you were going, then when you hear it, because to me, I couldn't differentiate that age between Darth Vader's voice and Dave Prowse's voice. Okay. So when you hear Dave Prowse doing the Green Cross Code, it always look left, look right. You know, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Think, that does not sound like Darth Vader. <laughs> not yeah. at all. And he was also. Um, the Golden Minotaur and the, the Minotaur I think is it the Golden yeah 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 Golden Voyager Sinbad yes yeah I think it is yeah yeah from 74 with the one where um oh, okay, the, the one that isn't doesn't feature John Wayne's kid because that's yeah okay yeah that's the other time yeah somebody he was the, the Golden Minotaur sir he was the Golden Minotaur yeah? yes yeah. yeah that's day class yeah well he was a, a professional bodybuilder yeah, and so when they wanted a big guy, he was the one. He was the one he went for. Well, that's the thing. Like, you look at him, and you just think, you know, you're not going to walk up to him and say, you know, bit of a knob, you, because he's going to just, yeah, yeah, slap your head <laughs> off. Like, Jeremy Bullock, the same thing. I mean, you know, he may he didn't have a big career, but he had he had roles in. See, I don't know movies. if I ever met Jeremy Bullock. I think I did. I don't. I don't know because when. <laughs> You know about me? I know where this right, is going. Okay, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So when, when uh, well, it must be 1980-81, and I keep talking about this with Taz because we don't know when the exact date was. We're trying to figure it out between yeah. us. And there's a toy shop in Porco called Hawkins. Yeah. And as a promotional thing for the Empire Strikes Back, Boba Fett was going on tour everywhere. And this was the time where you could only, the only way you could get the Boba Fett figure, he would hand out leaflets, yeah. was by buying... Three other Star Wars figures. Yes. Cutting off the the names, 
and send them off to Palatoy as it was here. It was the same right? with the Emperor figure. Exactly. Yeah. But Boba Fett was the first of these promotions. That's mm. the only way you get the Boba Fett figure. So he's there promoting this. Now, it almost certainly wasn't Jeremy Bullock in the costume, but I like to think that he thought, you know what, Porthcore, that sounds like my kind of sleazy <laughs> little town. I think I'll pop along there in my Boba Fett suit, get all fucked up by Gnarly and have a good time, man. That's cool you think that. I mean, you kept that sort of... Yeah. That image from your childhood. Like, you know? Yeah, but it's... it's, it's it, you know... I remember, like, when you're in there, Boba Fett being quite tall. But, you know, you're eight, nine years old, so he could have been, you know, five foot six, five foot seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's massive. Yeah. But, you know, we did. I mean, you know, Boba Fett, at, at that point... Yeah. His only appearance... He had a fleeting appearance in Empire... Yeah, and then, but Duffy, he was introduced to the Star Wars thing that we never got to see. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was introduced to the holiday special. We never got to see that. Either. No. That was never a thing. It was shown once and then taken off air after, <laughs> you know, the whole the whole of fandom cried out as one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The great disturbance in the force. The whole of fandom cried out once. Fuck no, George. And he's like, well, okay. <laughs> and yeah, so I, so he makes these little appearances and he's not even in Return of Jedi for long. No. You know? But he just, he just fans fell in love with him. Yeah, because he's so iconic, and mm. they've built built the Mandalorian around this one character because this armor, who's become so iconic to the whole universe, that he, he's just his uh, well, the, the the race of people he's part of, or the, the, yeah. the clan he subscribes to, or whatever way you want to look at the Mandalor- Mandalorian. Mandalorian is a philosophy, is it a way of life? Is yeah, it yeah. something else is a religious credo? How safe Star Wars? Yeah, yeah. As it was. I thought it was just so, um, you know, Boba Fett now is kind of getting the uh, the screen time he deserves and the yeah. story he deserves. Yeah. And it's almost like Jeremy Pollock has gone, I can rest now. Yeah. My, my work here is done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that like, was so nice. And, uh, you know, obviously it's not nice. I'm just, I just imagine he gets his own force ghost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this. yeah. Like they all get together have a big old party. Yeah. And Dave Pollock's like, that's my fucking risk. We don't need time. <laughs> And uh, more recently, Brody Lee, uh, oh, Luke dude. Harper from WWE. What? You know, insane. Forty-one. That's that's no age. No, that is no age. it's no age when you're older. You yeah, know, yeah, when, yeah. When when you're nudging close to fifty, then you are to forty. <coughs> yeah, you look back and you go, man. Yeah, that yeah. is no fucking age to go up. And I, it's I not some wrestler a few weeks ago. It's it's a it's a long related issue, but it wasn't non COVID related. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So unless it's cancer, and he was such a talented wrestler. I mean, WWE never fully. Uh, Examined that, they didn't, you know, they they had storylines for him that didn't really didn't fit. Uh, he was a good wrestling mind. He was a student of the game, and he was just getting into his the swinger thing with AEW. Problem with WWE, yeah, right. It's the same with that shitload of promotions. <clears throat> From a writer's point of view, right, square pegs and round holes. Why they don't? As every wrestler comes in. When they get a writer assigned to them, hang out with them, discuss their character with them at length, yeah. formulate a plan, hear what the performer's got to say, and what the writer's got to say, share ideas, and purposely, uh, and purpose write storylines built around those ideas of character. To me, it just seems the obvious way of doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know? And do extensions so what I'm saying right now, life I'm, I'm plugging for jobs for us now, right? So, yeah. Vince, <laughs> yeah. jobs please, now please, because, you know. Didn't Vince listens. I hope he does. I've got a few Americans. It's a possibility. It could be one of them. It could be Vince. It could be Triple H. <laughs> if it was Triple H, I, I, I would literally put my finger on my bum right now. <laughs> it would just be. 
Okay, so... Uh, nice and on the cake. Yeah, so R.I.P., rest in peace, oh, uh, Dave, Jeremy, and Brody. Yeah. On top of that, uh, the extended mass movement family lost one of his own recently. Yeah. Now, I didn't personally know Chuck, but I know you, Tim, shared many a good time with him. Yeah. So, hand it over to you now to tell us a bit about Charlie, oh, the Charlie's family crisis uh, drummer. Oh, man, that little Charlie, what can you say about him? Dude's a legend. <laughs> he yeah. was just so funny. First time he met Chug, uh, I think he was maybe 17, 18. Okay. Because he was young when he joined us. He was a couple of years younger than me, and I'm younger than the other guys. Yeah. Um, so uh, we turned up his garage in Canelli, and he's there, and he's literally just thrashing away at this kit. And I could just remember looking at Pickens' face. And Pickens being like, what the fuck have we let ourselves in? <laughs> and I, you know, at the time, yeah. And arguably, I still can't, but I couldn't sing, right? So I would put myself on a mic just to do my best HR impressions and just yeah, yeah. let fly. And um, he was quick. I remember one, like, one of the early practice when I knew I was going to love this guy. I said, you know, I knew I learned how to play. And he turned out to be just like that. And he goes, and yeah, I'll learn to play when you learn how to sing. And it's like, I fucking love you. <laughs> Brilliant. Lifelong friend. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. There. Absolutely. Right then and there. That, that just solidified it. Um, and we had a, re- a lot of fun times just drinking and being hooligans and, and you know, playing shows. I remember there was one show we played. Um, some girl had hired us for her 18th birthday party, right? Oh, my God. Who the hell was that? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a messy, messy story. So. Okay. And when I say hired, it, there was no money. Yeah. There's just there's some beer for you behind the bar, right? So we turned up with all our gear and she started... Um, Quite rightly so at the time, looking back, I dictating what we should be playing and stuff, and where the order we should be playing. There were no kettle leads for the PA, I think, so we had to run around and get kettle leads. And this incensed um, Steve, guitarist Pixie. Yeah. And he just goes, fuck this shit, let's go to the pub and get pissed. Before we play it, so. <laughs> um, all right, Steve, let's do that. So we got really hammered. This is the drunkest I've ever played. And I was the soberest out of the lot. Right? <laughs> so <laughs> we get up to play and we ramshackle our way through this set. And Chug was on his, sitting on his drum stool. And he had his back against the wall. And he's sort of playing all the way through. And gradually starts to slide. <laughs> and he just <laughs> fell off after, after that song. And lay there on the floor unable to move. We're talking about a band that was so drunk, the guitar, one of the guitarists started combing his hair. I forgot to play guitar. He just stood there brushing his hair, like, <laughs> literally, all the way through. And I'm looking at Pickens, and we're both just like, how the fuck are we going to do this? We have no idea. We're just bumbling our way through. Yeah. And we did. Um, but Chug, because like I said, you know, we were, we weren't young. I mean, I've been going to show since I was 14, but Chug had never been to a show. Okay. So to try and introduce the whole, Subculture hardcore. We took him to, me and John Evans took him to a show. Okay. And his first show was Sick of All the Bogies. Oh, really? Yeah. The infamous Sick of All the Bogies. Show. That was that was his very first show. Right? Yeah, yeah. How to kick things off in style. <laughs> right? And he did his first stage dive that night and nobody caught him. Oh, no. He flipped his legs up and he landed smack on his face <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> and yeah, me and John were sweating as I was laughing. But he was up like that yeah. on his feet back in the pit and there was no stopping him he had that sort of relentless character and he always wanted to explore different things like the second show we went to mm. was a band called Bivouac and they were supported by Seaweed they were supported by Seaweed yeah. Seaweed is still one of the best live bands I've ever seen Yeah, right? 
and I felt so sorry for Bivouac that night because they they're a great band, right? But they had to go on after seaweed. Can't be done. Yeah, just yeah, cannot yeah. be done. Yeah, seaweed just went wham <laughs> and blew everything away. And Chug's like, "Is every punk rock show this good?" <laughs> and then you know, later life after the band split, we all went on, on did our own things. Um, Tony, Chug, when it started getting into like shamanistic practice and sort of all that new age. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, when he, <laughs> he started doing ghost hunting, he, and he was quite well respected in his field. As, 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 right? The first cards he had printed up, he'd made a spelling error on them, right? Okay. So it said, Anthony Cherry, paranormal investigator, right? <laughs> so he was always, to me, he was always going to be the paranormal investigator. Paranormal. But he had such a big heart, man. He was such a sweet guy, you know? And then um, he had a massive heart attack. Like three years ago, right? And you know, you always say, "I'm going to come and see you," because he's living in England. I'm going to come and see you. 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 Then he found out he had MND. Oh. Um, well, which point? Like, we're going to come and see you. We're going to come and see you. We're going to come and see you. Mm. And I'd organised with Gerwin and John and Dicross that we were going to go and get him. We were going to pick him up mm. in March. Yeah. This year. Oh god. And we want to take him out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So by this time he's in a he's in a wheelchair with MND, and then lockdown happened, and it just never happened. And it's one of those things that you always wish, you know. Yeah. And I ju- I'm just I'm sort of um, happy in the knowledge that our last message, the last time we spoke to each other, mm. it was you know a message of joy and love. It was like you know love you man, love you. Love yeah, you. yeah, yeah. That, that that always makes me feel better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. I, I'm going to miss him. I'm really, really going to miss oh. him because he was one of life's characters, man. He was just so much fun to be around. So, it's to you, Chug. Yeah. Love you, brother. Let's bang on some uh, Charlie's Family Prices. Yeah. It only feels right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cheers, well, Chug. Flight to Valkyrie, guys. to Valhalla, man. I'll see you soon. This is Boneless Chicken by Charlie's Family Prices. <laughs>
was Charlie's Family Crisis with Boneless Chicken. Uh, we put that on Chug. Rest in peace, Chug. Yeah. Sleep well, brother. Hi there, this is H from Acid Rain, and you are listening to the Mass Movement Podcast because you're a sensible, clever, smart individual. Let's move on to, uh, so Mandalorian wrapped up recently. Oh, motherfuck. And, uh, and that's it. It was literally. Yeah. The, 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 that last, like, 20 minutes. That's the only word, yeah. the only word says, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. No. <laughs> yes. No. Oh, oh, oh. It's been rumoured, but you're like, you're not going to, nah, they won't do that. It's like. See, I don't read any of these spoilers or rumours. Okay. I just do not do it whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, just, you know, Hamill. Hamill in the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. And that was like, all right, I'm down with this. I can, I can get behind this. This is, this is my kind of thing. I'm definitely down with this. For those who don't know, you know, I mean, you've not watched it by now, bloody hell, you know, you can't call yourself a Mandalorian man. Tough shit. Tough you haven't shit, watched it yeah, by yeah. now, you know. So, Luke ass. Skywalker returns of the, um, the Star Wars franchise and the finale of The Mandalorian mm. to take, um, Grogu. To take Grogu and, uh, teach him the ways, ways of course. course. But it was, um, sprung on us. I mean, at what point was it? So, was it when you saw the X-Wing? Were you like, oh, it's Yeah, Luke? I'm just thinking, it's got to be Skywalker. It can't be anybody else because when it's yeah. set as well, it's five years after. So that single X-wing comes around, yeah. and they're like, "One X-wing? Oh, that's all they've sent to help us." Yeah. And then you see next thing you see, then it cuts to a uh, figure going through these dark troopers. Yeah. And uh, it's a rogue figure, but he's got the iconic green lightsaber. Yeah. But it, it, when he's going through, it just looks like Anakin from behind. Yeah, yeah. You know, in, the, in uh, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, when yeah. He's on, when he's turning, and you just think. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> but then you, um, you know, he makes his way up to the level where the Mandalorian and Grogu are, and he's revealed to be Luke. And you're like, yeah, yeah, he was just one of those, oh my god moments. The thing is, where do you take the series from here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, is, is that it for the story? I mean, it's, it's the Mandalorian, is, is the yeah. story. So is this the closing of one chapter? I'll mm. into the next. So is that he... for Grogu? I mean, we're going to not see him oh. for a while? Dude, there's no way I'm going to merchandise so, no. the shit out of this. Yeah, just yeah. Think, like this could be a, this potential for a Skywalker spin-off series just featuring Grogu. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, making it more kid centric. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Because um, they know their market is. Sure. So, um, but I think you know, just watching these, watching the Mandalorian interact with the other Mandalorians and sort of take. Try to take back Mandalore. Yeah, that's going to be the direction the new series goes in. Yes, because um, he now he's the owner of the dark saber. Yeah, which if makes Bo-Katan, him the rightful ruler of Mandalore. Yeah, and if Bo-Katan wants it, she's going to have to chop his head yeah, off. The law is she yeah. has to fight for it. Yeah, and um, uh, my goodness. But and then and then the, the big surprise, if you didn't stick around for the post credit scene, knobs. Oh, yes. The Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah. Yes, bitches, yes. <laughs> Boba Fett going back to Jabba's Palace, where Big Fortuna has yeah. now had a few pies. <laughs> taking over Jabba's Palace. all the pies. Yeah. Taking over Jabba's uh, mantle there. Mm. And, um, yeah, which, you know, was sort of a teaser for the Book of Boba Fett, which was then announced. Yeah. So. But just that iconic scene when sat on that throne, was like, you know, yeah. right here, what are you going to do? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's sure. bring it. Yeah. And that is going to be tomorrow. Morris is probably you know just thinking he's he's, he's looking back at New Zealand. He's going like, oh, I like that size of that beachfront property, seventeen thousand acres. You say, mine, <laughs> mine. 
And they're like, what do you mean? He goes, better be this book of Boba Fett, bitches. <laughs> Mine. <laughs> yeah. no, that's it. <laughs> Just put me into YMDB. And he, he deserves it. Dude deserves it. It's yeah, going to yeah. be superb. As long as they've got good writers, it's going to be superb. Yeah. I mean, the, the episode before the last one was even where Boba Fett. Is that the last one? Uh, where Grogu was on the rock? Yeah. But when they blow the shit, the shit out of the Mandalorian space. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. And Boba oh. Fett is just kicking ass, man. Oh, dude. He's just smashing those troopers up. It's just, it's just, you look at him, you think, you know, you're a paunchy middle-aged dude, right? Yeah. Your, your, your belly's a bit saggy. <laughs> you know, you've got a dad bod. Yeah, just like me, as well. just like it don't matter. It's a little bit tight, but you're in it, right? This, this, this is how I feel like on a Saturday night. Obviously, my knees don't agree with me. Like, I do. I, can I go out there and do it? Fuck yes, I can up here. But it's all about my attitude. Like Bruce Lee said, it's all about what you can do and thinking what you yeah. can do rather than what you can't do. And it's, as you're piling, you think, yes, I got the Bruce Lee PMA, just like Boba Fett here going in, and then all of a sudden your knees go, you know, fucking do it. And then when your shoulders pops out and you fall over and suddenly you stamp it on your face and you go, yeah. It's, it's all bullshit. If us putting that, uh, that sick roll t-shirt we bought on in 94, uh, popping around now and going out for Saturday night fighting is the equivalent of that. <laughs> to be fair, right, I bought a sick roll shirt in 96. Yeah. And I've still got it and it still fits. Wow. And it doesn't show off my tits like, you know, <laughs> some cheap stripper. <laughs> It actually fits properly. Okay. And I got shirts from them that actually still fit me. Wow. You know, so I haven't put on massive amounts of weight. I mean, I've fluctuated, gone up and gone down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm not at my heaviest now. I have props some. I got an anthrax shirt from 92. I can get into. Only because um, I yeah, bought a yeah, massive I bet thing. you look dead sexy in that now. It's like, <laughs> some, it's like some crop top from, like, you know. It makes you look like a waitress from Hooters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're walking past, I'm stuffing fibers in your pants as you go past <laughs> So moving on from uh, Mandalorian, um, what came next was nothing like, sort of incredible. A deluge of Star Wars announcements. That My was God. Just, what the fuck? Yeah, so, you know, they, they didn't announce one new series. Yeah. They didn't announce two. No. They announced freaking ten. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's not including the Marvel series. Yeah. And that's not including the uh, Taika Waititi movie. Um, it's just it's just incredible. Rogue Squadron. Yeah. Let's go through them. So, okay. We got Ahsoka, which is going to run alongside the Mandalorian well, series. As soon as you see Rosario Dawson, right? Yeah. In Ahsoka. Okay. Ahsoka. I'm just thinking. In my head, it's like, hello. <laughs> yeah. We got uh, Acolyte, which is going to show us sort of the awakening of the dark side. Yeah. There's the Book of Boba Fett, which we've mentioned. Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, which we know about. Mm-hmm. But the, the big reveal of this was that Hayden Christensen is definitely returning as Darth Vader. Yeah. We got Andor with Diego Luna from... That's Cassian Andor from, yeah, from Rogue One, yeah. he's going to be coming back for his own series. Rogue Squadron, as you just mentioned. Yeah. A droid story, which is going to be um, uh, animation based on 3PO and R2-D2. Yeah. Uh, Lando, uh, which is going to... We're not sure how the casting's going to go with that yet. Oh, I, I'm pretty sh- I am pretty sure right, that's going to be uh, Glover and yeah. Billy D. Yeah. Together. I think that's sort of through time sort of thing. Yeah, I think it's gonna be Lando doing his like uh Kevin Smith and Mark Martin. Yeah, doing yeah. Doing his yeah. Barfly thing and just so so let me tell you the stories about Lando. <laughs> Billy D being all like, you know, cool as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surrounded by bevies of all the women we've got fucking Hugh Hefner. Billy D Williams, man. Is the Bad Batch, which is gonna centre on 
members of the, the Clone Force 99 from the Clone Wars. That's animated too. Yeah. There's going to be um, the Rangers of the New Republic, which is going to run alongside Mandalorian again. Yeah. And Visions, which is going to be an anime anthology set in the Star Wars universe. Just any random sort of story. Stories that are plucked out of the thing. And plus, on top of that, right, last week, I had, um, from a certain point of view, number two. Oh, yeah. Which, which is the Empire Strikes Back stories, which is all about the 40 stories celebrating minor characters yeah. from the Empire Strikes Back. So it's seen this, their events of, from through the Empire Strikes yeah, Back the, through that, their eyes. Yeah, at that moment they're in the film, yeah. building the, their story to make them more fully rounded. And I'm just thinking, yeah, you know, so the first much content. one was so good. And the, this one, arguably the best Star Wars film, because it is the best Star Wars film, let's face it, the Empire yeah. Strikes Back, it is. Yeah. End story. Yeah. Um, well, I read it's the first one, um, Star Wars from a certain point. Yeah, of we, had it, we had it set for review, and so I, yeah. I reviewed it. I made a different pass on to you, or if you got no, it. No, I, 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 I had that thought for me, but it was, yeah. um, that was incredible. It's just like, you know, it, it was really interesting to see sort of, I think there was, um, uh, the Sand People, there was some, yeah. from their point of view, when, when Luke's sort of creeping around. Uh, the Imperial you know, Gunner who didn't fire on yeah. the escape pod. That's, Perfect. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's right. There it goes, no life form. Yeah. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> You the way you carry on, the way you carry on your shoulders, that one decision not to just go, pew. Yeah. So it's just, it's just like, eh, pew. I'll make a coffee first. Send <laughs> a pew. <laughs> yeah, I, and it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. Right yeah. now is a fantastic time to be a Star Wars fan. Well, I mean, John Favreau, Dave Filoni. Yeah. They're just knocking out the park, aren't they? And they seem to be the ones that they go into for the content. Favreau is Disney's golden boy. Yeah, it really is, yeah. You know? Yeah. Jungle Book, The Lion King, Iron Man. Is that the dude can't do? No, I know, yeah. I mean, at first I was like, is that too much content? Is that, you know, are they going to make them all winners? But I, I really think they will. So we've got no Star Wars film until 2022 at the earliest. Yeah, that's Tiger's. Uh... Okay, so we, and we are going to have series popping up between now and then. Yeah. Um, I think it's Book of Boba Fett, isn't it? It's Mandalorian season three, the Book of Boba Fett, which will be next year. Yeah. Now, I, if I was a gambling man, if I was a betting man, I would imagine there'll be another series popping up around June or July. Yeah. Interspersing in the middle of next year, because I know the way they're doing the Marvel thing at the moment is One Division comes out in January. Yeah. And then uh, Loki's May. Yeah. And then it's Falcon and Winter Soldier after that. Well, they use the similar sort of model, aren't they? Yeah. And so it's just everything's going to be inter- tied together. Mm. Um, and bunched together. I think it's... I, I am not complaining. No. I don't think... I'm not one of these people who say, well, they're going to overdo Star Wars. It's like, fuck that. Bring it on. Yeah. I've waited I've waited long enough. There can't be enough. We've always there known how big this, this galaxy, this universe is. Right. There's no such thing as too much because yeah. we've waited long enough. Give us what we want. And, and they're, doing the, they're doing the stories we really want to see. Like the High Republic, I'm really interested in. Right. You know, the Origins of the Jedi. Yeah, that's because you're a big fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> the Origins of the Jedi, you know, where that the dark side sort of came mm. about. And that's really fascinating to me. And yeah, I, I want to see how the animosity between the Jedi and the Sith developed. Yeah, what, yeah. Where yeah. it came from. Yeah. That is, that's interesting to me. So, yeah, interesting times, man, to, to be a Star Wars fan. To be a complete nerd. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Revel in your geekiness. Hello everybody, this is Igor Cavalera from Peprick, Cavalera Conspiracy, and you guys are listening to Mass Movement Podcast. Right, that's another track. Um, 
we played these before, but it's one of my favourites from uh, the last year. Um, they're on NGA Records. The EP is called Constant Battles. This song is called Constant Battles. And this is Power Driver. Ooh! Constant Battles from the Constant Battles EP, which is on Engineer Records. Go buy it now. Dun, dun, dun. Break <laughs> out your wallet. Bitches. I get you money, money, money. Hello, guys. This is Johnny from Astroturn, and you are listening to Mass Movement Podcast. I think it's time to take a sort of uh, look back now, is it? At um, a classic movie, which we like to do occasionally. Let's look at Highlander. There can be only one! <laughs> I can see the quotes coming from this oh. now. <laughs> Go on. Nuns, no sense of humour. <laughs> Father, forgive me, for I am a worm. <laughs> ah, I, I see she was your woman. Do I have killed up Clancy Brown on this? Oh. Hi, I'm Candy. Of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Do this shit all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, Highlander, 1986. Yeah. Um... Good year for movies, 1986. Yes, it was. 
But the, the Peter Highlanders, it opens that like sort of devastating, stuttering Queen soundtrack in yeah. MSG with the fabulous Freebirds bouncing about in the ring. You had me at the Freebirds. Yeah, That's yeah. it. All right? And then you got sword fighting underneath it, underneath yeah. the garden. You got me too. All right? Yeah. Absolutely got me too. And then it starts flashing back to the time that it turns out, dude's been alive for 500 years. Yes, I'm in. Fully sign <laughs> me up. So no. I was a little, little bit young to, one, see this in the cinema, and yeah. two, get caught up in it if there was any hype. Was it, was it a big buzz about this? None. None whatsoever. Just one of those I didn't see it in the cinema. Under, it completely under the radar. Okay. Um, so when so you see that? I saw it on video. On video. Yeah. So I, I, I read it from the video shop because you, you start to hear the buzz about this film later on through, yeah. through video. Um, yeah, Russell Mulcahy. Yeah, um, yeah. and you, he, he, Most of his credits come from music videos. Yeah, but you like, can see it stylistically. It's yeah. just this mishmash of styles and fades and wipes. And, yeah. Because one of the famous ones he did was um, Bonnie Tyler. Yeah. Total Eclipse of the Heart. Right. He was involved in the, the video for that. Oh, I'm still about Bonnie Tyler. Right. Oh, I know a second now. <laughs> right. Years ago, <laughs> when I went to Cheltenham, yeah. um, I was seeing a girl called Rebecca. Right. And um, she lived, She was from the Mumbles. Right. Really, really, really wealthy family. So what the fuck? You know what I mean? It's like, you know, she, she was like, she's playing with a bit of rough light. So, um, <laughs> and her, well, her family used to drink. Bonnie Tyler used to drink too. Okay. And she was famous for getting wanker and coming in there with not a stitch on, but she's wearing a coat. Bonnie Tyler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. In, the, in the nip. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. in the nip, with just like a long coat on then flashing her bits. And she dyed her pubes green one day, apparently. Do you know what? How much I write this out, this episode out, right? these episodes out. Yeah. Some of the tangents we go off on. <laughs> well, there's no point in planning. Like, plan, plan, Bonnie Tyler's green juice. Planning, planning is for pussy boys. Bonnie Tyler's green. Yeah. So anyway, back to Highland. Is that what green grass at home is on? <laughs> <laughs> on Jones. Well, back to Highland, really, because well, okay. I can get from Thailand to Bonnie Tyler and then they're... He directed... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's Highland. But, so, the first film was amazing. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. And then they went and pissed it all the way with the second. Second is awful. And, you know. That's all right. Let's make them all aliens. And, yeah, it's uh, all right. Memories. No, it's not. It's better than the second. Slightly. That isn't difficult, though, is it? No, 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 no. The second film's cut to shit and back, right? Absolutely butchered. Yeah. The third film was just wank. <laughs> then the, so was the fourth film, and then they finished it off with an Adrian Paul thing, and he just go, I, by this point, I just don't give a fuck. I really don't care. But they yeah. rescued with the series, then, wasn't it? Yeah, but the series is phenomenal. But again, first two seasons, first two seasons, bit weak. Third season onward, fucking amazing. That, that was a time when saved it. That was in a time when TV yeah. series were given time to develop. I'm yeah, not yeah. sure. Yeah, but it's when Highlander goes, when he travels to France and it's set more in Europe and they use European locations and they've they mm. got the old world more, maybe, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's when it really starts to find its feet and you know all of McLeod's friends come in and there's these massive backstories from hundreds of years ago oh, okay, yeah. and from the roaring 20s when he's involved with uh, bootlegging and, and you know yeah. he's fighting the, the Mexican War of Independence he's fighting in the, the Civil War and you just had the First World War and you just think this dude's travel this is the mileage on his clock that I want to see yeah 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 and it was just superb and Adrian Paul 
who knew the dude could act? Yeah, yeah. And he can, <laughs> you know? And he makes a more convincing Highlander than Christopher Lambert. Christopher Lambert. And I like Christopher Lambert. I do, yeah. You know? But that, that, that Scottish accent, I bloody well walk out of here. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. No, just forget it. I, I can't. Why would you cast a Frenchman as a Scotsman and a Scotsman as a Spaniard? Yeah. <laughs> or rather an Egyptian pretending to be a Spaniard. But the whole film's stolen anyway. Yeah. By Clancy Brown. But then Clancy Brown just strides into it and goes, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bitches leave. Like, he, he does like a, a line from Robocop and he comes in, bitches leave. And yeah, yeah. Launches into it. We can rub his neck staple together. <laughs> <laughs> I am in disguise. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what sort of direction he was given for that. I, I, I honestly think, right, Russell, Clancy Brown goes, I got this idea, and he goes, what's this? He goes, I'm going to make him this gigantic prick. Do it, right, I'll watch this. <laughs> and then the curtain comes to life. Maniac <laughs> punk Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> and years later, Clancy Brown pops up on the Goldbergs, and we talked about this before, and he does that episode, yeah, the Highland of the Goldbergs. Yeah, yeah. Where Adam's on about having a Highlander club, and then some members of the old Highlander club want to branch out and do their own Highlander club. And go, but should we? Can we have two Highlander clubs? You go, no, there can be only one. <laughs> and it's Clancy Brown re- revisiting it as, as, as the school teacher, and it's so funny just seeing him do it and just pull that curtain voice out of nowhere. You, oh, you still got it, dude. You know, <laughs> you are still a motherfucking man. Well, because that movie, I've, I've I've kept an eye on. Clancy Brown's career. Or yeah, yeah absolutely. Like. I'm not sure why I first saw him. It was either Pet Cemetery 2 or, or Highlander, wherever it came first. Or maybe Starship Troopers, because he's in that as well. I think it was later, wasn't it? Starship yeah, Starship Troopers was later. Yeah. But that's just like a glorified exploration of Nazism. And, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a great film. But he pops up in everything, Clancy Brown, did he? And yeah. Shawshank he was in? Yes. Between Mile? Yeah. Or... No, oh, Shawshank. Shawshank, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah Shawshank. Um, he was in Lost for a bit. Um... I don't think the dude has ever stopped working. No, no, no. Since since his breakout on Highlander, yeah, as the Colonel, people just gone. We need this character getting the Colonel, <laughs> and it must be right. Get me the Colonel. Must be their phone is agent, right? The phone is agent, right? And there's like a phone with all these little people's numbers and all this, and there's another phone with just one big button that says <laughs> the Colonel, and she just mashes it with her palm, <laughs> and he goes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't say what two scripts for you. No, they're gonna be the only one. Would you like to see him read then? No, no, absolutely not. Even like with the nope, no, no, absolutely not. I think it was perfect for the time, the first film, yeah, and the series. And I think if you tried to revisit it now, it would be poorly done, and you wouldn't be able to get away with half the shit you got away with in that series. That's very true. Yeah, very true. Um, so no, I would not like to see him done. So, we're big fans of Highlander. We're big fans of Highlander. First film and seasons three, four, five, and six of the series. Get him down, yeah. yeah. And remember, there can be only one. <laughs> we're also big fans of Nate Keenan. Oh, we are. Yeah. We, love, we love Nate a bit. Um, you got to speak to him uh, recently. Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, to talk to him. He's been um, he's been in the UK Highlander scene since nineties. Yeah, had, since we're on my time. He's about my age. If not the forties. Yeah, I'm forty-two. Yeah, Nate. Yeah, Nate's on the same age as you. Yeah, because yeah, we. I think we'll be sure we we turn up at the same sort of shows, like Hollow London shows. Mm. Um, so yeah, I've I've always been a fan of all his bands. He's always been a nice guy. The zines he's proud of. Trap nerve. Shows he's put on. Trap nerve at the moment is is by his hands down. Yeah, my favorite UK zine next to Apple. 
Archon Trapner are the only two scenes you need to buy from the UK. End of story. He's also got a um, an RPG coming, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. But, you know, that's next year. But they also did, uh, they wrote a specialist RPG for with, um, what's that band's name? The Metal Band. Everybody loves really dark, blacky metal. Ghosts? No. Really dark, black metal. It's like, yeah. Mayhem, blues, and No. <laughs> Begins with V. It's one of those. Anyway, Nate yeah. talks about it in the interview. I can't remember their name. Okay. But, frankly, I'm not interested in the music right, to okay. care. And their music to care. Um, and they're probably lovely guys. And they do their utmost. And they've got legions of fans. But it's not for me. Because I'm a dreadful old man. <laughs> as well as that but it was a great conversation it was lovely to speak to Nate cool well we'll have a listen to that um, but first of all let's listen to Hollow Sky by Kanan his old band they're on, en- on the Engineer 50 compilation which you can still get on Bandcamp this is Kanan Here we go. I've got it on speakerphone on my other phone. I'm recording with one phone. <laughs> Ingenuity, brother. Ingenuity. I'm rocking it, mate. 
Yeah, it is. <laughs> so when did you discover hardcore then? Okay, so the the, um, the deep cut version of it is this. Right. Years ago, uh, I wasn't into at all. Wasn't really into anything because everything I heard on the radio, I just thought it was toss, you know, brass and all those sort of things. My sister, my younger sister, loved. She was really sort of into music of what I was. Yeah. But um, to me, I always needed some lyrical content. You know what I mean? Even then, like the only song I liked was Nineteen. <laughs> like Paul Hardcore I think mean, it had like, like the images of the war and shit yeah 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 and it, it, I was like oh I learned stuff from it I mean, it was quite fragile I guess I you know hit as well so like you know guns and war and stuff but um so nothing really connected with me I had quite a silent childhood um my mum would play soft 50s music and things like that so which is into but I, I hated all that shit <laughs> um and then um a little bit like Roman was at school got to like um Guns and Roses and things like that, you know, Nirvana, because uh, that was, that was it, it sounded like something I hadn't heard before. Right. Because um, it was just rowdy. So I was like, I couldn't get into this. So I was never like a type like of metalhead or anything. I, just, I had sort of passing interest in these things. Um, and that went off a little bit. Once I got that Nirvana tape, I started digging around. I remember reading an interview with uh, Mr. Cobain at the time where he said, when he dies, I don't want a fancy funeral or anything like that. I just want to be, <laughs> chuck me in some dirt and a stick with a black plate bars drawn on it over my grave. Yeah. I was like, black flag? What, what is that? It just sounded, you know, I couldn't understand what it meant. Because obviously there's no context, no internet, so I couldn't just Google up what a black flag was. Right. But, um, it just seemed crazy to me. So I, so I started digging around, and the, the, in a town I'm from, it, you know, it wasn't a city or anything, any cool record shops or, you know, there was nothing like that hanging about. So it was, it was really just a case of me just trying to, like, put these little scraps of information together. And um, I got hold of the skateboarding video. I was always crap at skateboarding, but I had this, this video. And my mate had lent it to me. And, you know, the, the, the skateboarding was wonderful and all that, but it was, the music was playing in the background. I was like, what, what is that? That's amazing. Like, it was, and I, I had no way of knowing what the music was because the credits at the end of the tape were cut off. Right? <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. The speaker built into it and a little microphone. Um, I literally went up to my telly in Nan's house, put that up against the little speaker on a, on a wood frame television and taped the songs off the video. Do like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, just walked, around, I walked around with a tape in, in the Walkman for years, not knowing what any of this stuff was. As it turns out, I found out a little bit later on that was Black Flag. It was TV Party was the song I'd heard. Oh, I got you. And the misfits and things like that and I you know so it's kind of a bit of a, a purist way of discovering hardcore but that was the uh, you know having the information in my head and then hearing it you know they weren't adjacent to each other do you know what I mean yeah well so, the uh, thing is with Black Flag when I found out the band name I asked for a record by him my own man told me that's the shit that kills ants because it was a bug killer yeah that's right yeah. so no context for it you know what I mean yeah so I know I know where you're coming from with that like you know, here in the UK, and like I said, in other towns that had established scenes and, you know, bands coming through and stuff, I suppose you might have had an access point in that respect. Yeah. But I, I, I didn't know anyone and Margate at that time, the only people who were remotely different. We had like mods and skinheads and stuff and all that kicking about. Um, there's a, you know, a lot of skinheads, actually. Right. Um, but um, that's another story. Um, but the punks, you know, the people who kind of got me switched on were these like gang of lads who, um, from, like, I went to a, uh, 
like a vocational college for a little bit. You know, like back in the back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Yes, schemes. Yeah, you yeah. Get fun you and that because it's either that you know you ain't got a job, so you're you're waiting for the dole basically. And they, they they hold you in this sort of like white yes scheme. So I, I went there to do printing. Yeah, because it's either that jail or the army. Yeah. Exactly. That, yeah. That, that, you know, I didn't have a lot of opportunities then. Um, so there was these lads kicking about there, and they had like you know all that shaved heads, and they looked like um, and I, you know, it was, it was the days of big baggy jeans and listening to you know, <laughs> <laughs> and all that. And they they just, I turned up, and they were like, oh, and I didn't have a clue about anything. You know, I was literally, I literally like, existed in a vacuum for quite a long time. Right. Um, and they just sort of pushed a few things my way, and I sort of like discovered hardcore at that point. But I didn't know. It was a it was a contemporary thing. I just thought it it was a a period of time, you know. When I see them old records like Black Flag and you know Minor Threat and all that, I just assumed it had died out after them, and it was just a thing. So I, it was almost like a you know like a sealed knot. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like laughing away, like oh, this is what a hardcore person is. You know, I've got straight men to wear boots, and you know that's that. Um, and it was through them I discovered there was a sort of a contemporary scene, and, and from there the uh, descent into into Hades continuing. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean like hardcore acceptance always comes when suddenly gets like a, a name you know what I mean Cause so yeah. you're like Welly Arcor and Monk Dave so when did you become Nate Canaan because <laughs> it happens it, it's always the fucking story mate it's always the same yeah it's, it's kind of a weird one really I, I don't know because I've been I've been knocking about I moved out of Margate and I was maybe 18 yeah because <laughs> so the, the story goes <laughs> you're gonna love this actually you're a nerd so I, <laughs> when I, well, I moved out of my house real young uh, uh. I was living in a flat on North Down Road in Margate which is it, it, these days it's a, it's a rough old spot and even then it wasn't good um, you know it's like kind of a, it's a Margate's a place that had like a lot of shifting fortunes you know in, in the sort of 70s and early 80s stuff. it was a, a destination that had a lot of money coming into it because yeah. of the tourist business obviously you know the cheap sort of flight boom of the 80s and uh, early 90s it was just high and dry. It's the same story of any you know seaside town. Um, so the area I lived in, it looked quite nice, right? Yeah, uh, to the untrained eye, but it was an absolute shit hole. And now it's it's really fucking bad. But uh, on that road to where I lived, I went to school. I went to that college just around the corner and up the road. Uh, I worked in a, a restaurant. It was a, it was a, a Lord of the Rings theme restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I fucking hate Lord of the Rings, man. I can't stand it. <laughs> Fuck me, well, overblown. Fucking wank! It? it is fuck. <laughs> it's a lot of old wind, but yeah. at the time, the, the important thing to note here is that in a very working class town, this was the um, this is the spot you used to go through. You know, it was just like, like a birthday party or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it was, and it had like a river in it and stuff. And right. Things. It was it was bonkers, all trees, but it was really quite unique. Anyway, we, we had I had a job there washing dishes with my mate, and uh, <laughs> anyway, so we we would work in there and. There was a psychobilly guy who worked there, okay? And he also helped us. We, we, we were washing up in the back there on Saturday night. We put the stereo on. We'd be playing know, everything from Black Flag through to, um, you know, metal, uh, Slayer and things like that. Yeah. And then there was another guy there who worked, he was, he was a drum and bass DJ, so they would play that as well. It was, just, it was all the people who worked in the kitchen. So it was like a dirty dozen of just weirdos. And one of them was just this uh, epileptic uh, psych- psychobilly guy who was a... Uh, he was a character. Anyway, when I I played in this punk music, he was like, yeah, I, I'm familiar with some of that stuff. I used to be in a band. Um, I forget the name of the band, but it was, they, were, they, were, they were known within that scene anyway. Um, and he uh, he gave us like a drum kit 
he said, yeah, get yourself started. He goes, the only way you'll ever sort of, like, end up making this music is if you, like, you know, someone gives you a poke in the right direction. So he'd give us like a knackered old drum kit, bought them for like 20 quid. Um, my mate had a guitar and I had a bass. Yeah. That's how we started sort of plinking around. You know, you just do what you do, don't you? We haven't have a drum on Oh, yeah, you just get in and thrash it out, like. Yeah, exactly. So we just, we would practice in this, like, storeroom in a, Lord, a back room of this Lord of the Rings restaurant as a basement. <laughs> and that's how we did it. We just sort of taught ourselves black flag songs and minor negative approach and things like that. You know, the stuff that was quite simple to play uh-huh. that we could sort of, like, plink around and figure it out. Anyway, one thing leads to another. I ended up in Sheffield a year or two later. Um, started a band up there with a, with a couple of customers and um, <laughs> a couple of tasty customers. And uh, before I know it, that had all, that had all gone wrong. <laughs> I moved back to Kent. I mean, I'll, I'll save you that story because it's a bit of an embarrassing part of my life, to be honest. But I moved back to Kent. And when I come back, I was, like, quite determined. I'm like, right, I know how to do bands now. I can't, I've, you know, it's not, it's not sort of unknown territory as much. I, I know what I need to do to put things in place. And, and basically, I was working in a comic shop during the day, and in the evening, <laughs> evening I worked at, like, you know, Maze Quest. I had, like, nerd jobs, man. That's all I did. It was like, fucking Geek jobs, fucking rule, mate. They are the best, yeah, like. It is, isn't it? You know, you learn stuff. And um, so I was in there quite a lot. And unfortunately, the, the way it worked was the comic shop was adjacent to a record shop. And the record shop at that point, they had, like, hardcore and stuff in there. So, and it was a college town, you know, like a, I say college town, university town. Yeah, yeah. So you get a lot of... Um, kids coming through and it was always the alternative type people who stick their head in to buy you know comics and they'd bob over to buy their you know metal records or whatever at a, at a comic shop and there was another shop that's like a skateboard shop it's like a little triangle right um, and me being me I'd, I'd sort of flip between those you know t- two other shops because that's what I was interested in you know and um, we just sort of ended up recruiting people there was just the, the drummer in a, in a you know for people who don't know stand up straight fine, trying to find straighter drummers is like it's like rocking or shit <laughs> yeah. you cannot find that's why they always that's why drums always have about 10 different bands you know because it's just like it's the one guy who doesn't who happens not to drink a pint you'll do get in here <laughs> <laughs> so we had this he's a John who worked up at, um, at the laser centre with me and he, he, he was a long hair he wasn't into punk and stuff he was into like nonsense like incubus and things like that I mean I don't even know what that sounds like but he, he wasn't you know it seemed like shit to me so, oh, <laughs> Thing going on in England at the time, and certainly the, the ones that were, 
I mean, there's just no, no disrespect to anyone, but it was a pun on his ass a little bit. There was certainly no one doing a sort of confrontational judge or, or chorus type of strategy thing, which is, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a meathead. I do have those tendencies. Um, <laughs> Mate, right. nothing wrong with meathead hardcore. Meathead hardcore makes the world go round. It's the best shit. <laughs> It's, it's weird, isn't it? Because we all get like these fucking nicknames, like like you and Nate Kane. I became fucking Tim Massman just because of the fact I did the zine, like yeah. And people have, too, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, people have an idea of who you are based on something you do. Something you do. That's just part of what you are. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then your reputation carries forward, and it's just it's oh fuck, I don't know, I don't know where I'm going with this shit. Sort of, uh, you end up sort of, I don't know. I, I think you almost become become that sort of. Person. Certainly, I didn't. I'll, I'll tell you this much, Tim. Yeah. I think there's some people like myself. I'll be, I'll be quite honest with you. I, I'm not cut out to be a front man. I'm a quite a damaged person. I don't always think that maybe picking up a microphone and you know pouring my guts out in front of people was was always the best idea for me. Right. Because um, you, you know, hardcore has a tendency to like kind of I don't know, uh, be quite adulating of damaged people. And you see a lot of the, a lot of the good men are the ones that are all. They're fuck, they're fuck ups. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but fuck people who are fucked I, up and damaged, I, mate. They, yeah. They're far more interesting. We, we got far more. I don't know. We got a different take on life to other people, and I think that makes it easier to stand behind the mic and vent that kind of rage and spleen. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's true. And also, like I, I think there's, there's two there's two ways I look at it, and uh, I think you you adopt this sort of persona. It's almost like a suit of armor, if you will. Right. Um, to like kind of get yourself like, I needed to get that stuff from my chest I mean, you know, I'm quite an angry guy and that's how I articulate that's the only way I knew how to articulate myself at that time right um, but also I ended up becoming a bit of a, a bit of a caricature of myself I think you know, as, I, as I look back on it as an older man I think yeah you were playing up a little bit there mate maybe <laughs> maybe we didn't need to say those things or do those things could have but you, you, you use what you've got, then you at that time. Well, I say, but it's like in professional wrestling, they say like the best wrestlers adjust themselves to end up to ten. Yeah, you know, and you you make that persona, you make yourself into something else, you make yourself into an exaggerated version of who you are, yeah. just to sell what you're doing. Yeah, you know, I think I've, you know, now you say it like that, that's, that's probably true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's sort of what I did, I suppose, and. Uh, yeah, I, just sometimes I look back on, on Kane and I think, oh, you know, maybe I could have whammed in there kind of a little bit. But at the same time, I don't think that's what people wanted. They wanted, they want the arsehole, don't they? Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you need something to point out. You know, you paid your money. You need something to point out. It's like going to yeah. freak show. Look, 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 look at the bearded lady, or look, look at the fucking idiot jumping up and down in front of the mic yeah. and smashing, trying to smash people up. Like that's that's yeah. basically what you know. I was like, freak this. show, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're hardcore, right? I know you. You're well into catharsis worship, right? Yes, I like that band a lot. So, 
in your book, are they the greatest hardcore band ever? No. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Right. I, I, my mood shifts. I'm, just, I'm, a, I'm a fickle creature, Tim. Yeah. You know, there, there can be days where I just think you today are, are the best thing I've ever heard. You know, right. I'm, I'm gonna eat, I think I'm back to the first time I heard them and how it, how it made me feel and blew my head off. And I think my favourite band is whatever moment I happen to be in. You know, if I'm going to reflect, I, I've been listening to Judge all this week. And right. I mean, I fucking love that band so much. Um, my friend does a podcast on stage where, he, where he's working his way through like the Revelation catalogue. Yeah, I've heard that cast. It's really good, man. Where it went, yeah. Uh, shout out Javier. He's, he's a wonderful human being. Um, and he's, he's working his way through it. And I, I, I sent him a text the other day because he, he'd done one on bringing it down. And it, when you listen to how Mike speaks about that band, and you know not only the reputation of the band, but where his lyrics came from, even as a young man, I remember the first time I heard um, the song, where it went. Right. You know, it was at, it was on a compilation called um, Sunday Matinee Hardcore. It was like a, you know like a New York sampler, if you were had like Murphy's Law on it. And is is that the one with the white cover? That's right. Yeah, it's got yeah. Like, little pictures. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. One that. Yeah. Um, it's got bad brains on Agnostic Front, but pretty much everything, even stuff like um, uh, what they called the mob, uh, urban waste, all that kind of stuff. On it, real yeah. of bits and pieces. But the judge song, I remember hearing it going, that, that's kind of different to all the others. Because his vocals sounded quiet. Because I didn't, and also the thing is, with that record, I didn't know what any of the bands looked like. So I was, and the pictures on the insert, the, the, those are random pictures. And I was just, so I was trying to marry up what I thought the band was that was playing with the, the, the picture. I got it all, all wrong. <laughs> but like, <laughs> um, but Judge, yeah, I remember reading the lyrics. I'm thinking, Christ, that's that's pretty deep. It's not what I expected from you know straight edge people. It's quite a lot of melancholy to it, even though the music sounded so so brutal and so unrelenting. Right. I got. I went and found that album. I had a tape every day I went to college and I would uh, travel back and forth to college and it was quite a, it was a bit of a rough time for me uh, back then. And I was taking a lot of solace in the music. You know, it was getting me from A to B. Right. And um, I had one tape on one side, it was Integrity, uh, one of the early Integrity records. And on the other side, I was bringing it down. And now I think that kind of both those two things together day in, day out on this poxy train. That I've been, you know, I was done the fair to try and get to college because I wanted to spend the money on records. You know, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, those lyrics and that sort of outlook, I think, quite sort of um, permeated my, my developing brain. So the Farsis are a wonderful band, and even though they told me, <laughs> even though they told me off <laughs> one time, um, I think that verse 7 is a fantastic record. But I think overall... Judge or the Cro-Mags, Asia Quarrel are the, are the two that uh, I, 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 I would probably listen to, even if I decided I didn't like hardcore much anymore. I think those two records still carry a lot of um, emphasis um, in my life. Right, so the Hardcore Bible is definitely that first Judge record. For me? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think it's got a bit of everything. Cause it's, it's heavy without being metal. It's fast. It's got that kind of like, fuck off, battery that you kind of need. When, you know, you need that. You need that little sort of like a bit of bolstering, don't you? Only young. Oh, of course you do. You you need something to get behind and something you know, like a rallying cry. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think that sort of there's a lot of kind of uh, one of the other things I've always taken a bit of an issue with, and I I, I sort of covered it off for quite a long time. Was straight edge is a thing obviously that matters a great deal to me. Yeah. Not not to the point where I'm out to recruit people. I think that's always been a bit of a misnomer about me. Is I'm sort of like on a recruitment drive. I'm not. You know, life is hard, and people should do whatever they need to do to get through it. But so I understand. I understand why people drink. I understand why people do drugs. I'm not. You know, I'm not going to slap someone on the wrist. But life's fucking hard. You know, get through it how you need to. Yeah. I just don't want to make life harder for myself because I know 
Catholics and that's always been a sort of heavy sort of presence in my life. So um, that's why I've, sort of, you know, I've done kind of that strategy because if I wasn't, I, I can't do middle ground, one or the other. So if I drink, I drink to the point of just being an absolute... Do you know what I mean? I can't say that. I couldn't. No, ab- absolutely. Everything's either everything's either black or white. There's no there. There is no shades yeah. of grey. There's no middle ground. No, I know exactly where you come from. It's, it's, I'm exactly yeah. the same way. You know, you either yeah. do or you don't. That's it. I think a lot of people yeah. are like that. You know, you see a lot of um, obsessive traits in people. And I think yeah. You know, if you look if you look at a lot of straightest people, they do have these addictive personalities where you know they obsess about records, like all these things. You know, addiction isn't always manifest itself in such you know easily seen things as drugs or alcohol. Right. It can be in, you know, Australia's is super, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's very materialistic in the sense that people have to have these things in order to, like, these little totems, if you like. Do you know what I mean? To, like, but, like yes, this is the thing I'm into. This is what I am. But it's diverting your energy from one place into another place. That's, and that's exactly. just the way with any, with any obsessive sort of disorder. That's how it yeah. works, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I've often remarked, I think, you know, straight edge, the straight edge end of our group, it's a lot, a lot of under I think that's hard. I think that's hardcore in general, mate. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and you can certainly apply that across, across the board, but it's always, it always seems much more noticeable when there's a lot of people shouting about not doing something. <laughs> they are actually doing it. Yeah. Maybe that's not healthy either, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. So let's bring this back to D&D. So when, when did you discover Dungeons & Dragons, man? Okay. Well, that's kind of connected somewhat to the way I found punk. You know, yeah. I, I lived in a vacuum for the most part. I was quite sort of isolated as a kid. Um, you know, my parents were really interested in what I was doing. They were off doing their own things. And I, was, I won't say I was a latchkey kid, but I just, I was, I spent a lot of time on my own. Right. Um, and we had this, <laughs> we had this thing, you, you're of a similar age to me, Tim, so maybe you'll remember this. Puffin Book Club. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, in yeah. school, they used to send them around, yeah, and you could choose your books, right. man. Yeah. 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 Right. And, yeah, so they'd send a little sheet around, you take it home to your mum, and I think they were obviously trying to encourage, uh, you know, young readers or what have you. Um, so I, I, I've, one of the few things I've, I've ever been good at is I'm not, I'm not good at many things, but one of good at is reading. I had a very advanced reading age when I was real young. I think right. I was like seven. I had the reading age of an 11 year old. It was it was quite crazy. So I'm sort of digesting quite a lot of stuff. And my mum knew that she could sit me down, and my grand they would sit me down with a book, and I'm, I'm out there for hours because I just sit there and read it. So anyway, I come home with this one day and I'm looking at it, and you know, it's all your, your BFGs and. Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. I know where you're going with this. I mean, it's going to be one book, and it? it's the Warlock of Firetop Mountain. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I see that, and I'm looking at the cover, and I've never seen anything like that in my life. I was like, what the fuck? Am I allowed to swear on it? Yeah, of course you are. Go for it, man. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. A war- First of all, what's a warlock? I don't know what it is, but it sounds awesome. Um, right. There's a dragon on the cover, there's a crystal ball, there's all sorts of capes going on there, and one of my favourite books when I was a kid growing up, and I don't know how I feel about it these days, but when I was young, Lion the Wish the Wardrobe was like, it was one of the first things I saw where it was like a load of different monsters fighting each other. Right, but it's, it's one of those first books that draws everybody in because you, it's, yeah. if you've got an interest in that kind of shit, that's what pulls you in. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember how I got into that was there was a, an animated version of it that was completely trippy. Not a lot of people remember this, but it was like, it was the Lion of the Wardrobe cartoon. Yeah, but it's, it's done like really bad block animation. And when you look at it now, yeah. it's just awful. You know, and unless you're off your tits on acid, you're never going to be able to enjoy it. <laughs> it's, it's really trippy. And it's yeah. all things peculiar. I watched it recently. I was like, God damn, no wonder I've got problems. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, so, so that was kind of like led me to that. I was thinking, warlocks, monsters. 
go on then, I'll have a go on this. And my mum, you know, she was just like I said, she was happy I was doing something. So they got it for me and it turned up uh, weeks later or whatever it was. And everyone else was getting their book, you know, they got the rolled bowl, fantastic Mr. Fox, whatever it might have been. And this gl- lurid green spine is at the bottom of the pod. <laughs> oh shit, that's mine, that's mine. Anyway, comes over and I didn't know why any of that was. You know, I couldn't get me a brain around it at all. But I was looking at the pictures and I just knew that that's, this is for me. Yeah. What I'm about. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> And I, I, I got absorbed into that completely. Where and it worked for me because it's, it's single player. I didn't need any friends because I, I, I really struggled to. I sound like the right little sad sack here. Then I don't need friends to play D and D with. No, I think I think it's it's universally true. You know, we we're <laughs> outcasts, so we find something that we can cling to, and then we you know we find like minded people, and that's all life is like. It is. It's like you know, it's, like, it's funny that a lot of people share that sort of series of steps, and uh, yeah. I, anyway, that book. Flip my switch when I, re- I saw on the back that it said, you know, number one. So I was like, right, presumably there's more of these things. So I'll, I'll need them as well. Um, and that was it. You know, the good boy got his um, WH Smith's uh, vouchers for Christmas. And off I went to uh, <clears throat> to find as many of these things as I could. And, and when they didn't have those, I found Joe D, but, you know, uh, Lone Wolf. Um, right. And uh, the Way of the Tiger series, which was basically like fighting fantasy with ninjas. Um, and the whole that whole thing sort of just massively appealed to me. You could go, you could go off and be in a different world, and you could be a different character, and you didn't have to be like some, you know, little pauper from the seas. Like, do you know what I mean? I could go off and be a, a, a wizard or a ninja or you know, a thief. I was like, most often a rogue, strange enough. But anyway, Pete's um, <laughs> <laughs> volumes, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so I've also straight edge, straight edge kids. There's always want to be paladins. I don't know why. It's just, yeah. It just it always sort of sticks in there. <laughs> Popping out of nowhere, like, yeah. 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 They've already established a social, uh, like a hierarchy of the school, and then Nobed here comes <laughs> wandering in <laughs> with his, um, you know, his, his blazer on, school blazer. Oh my God. I just got this shit knocked out. I learned to run pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was never a fast runner, man, so I just learned to take a lot of punches. Yeah, which is it. I mean, you know, a bit of both, really, because I mean, I didn't live near the school, so I had a long old walk home as well. So. Yeah. I, I mean, as I run a fucking gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, 
thankfully I learned to be quiet. I've always been quite sort of sharp witted, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I, I soon learned that if I cut people down really quickly with other the commentary, they tended to not, not like to look stupid. And that's how, that's how, I, that's how I sort of escaped a few beats. Not all of my ass, but you know, <laughs> that was good. But anyway, when I went to that school, um, there, was a, there was a geezer there called Mr. Oki, who was a science teacher. Yeah. And he was a Geordie. Um, and he was one of them one of them kind of teachers you don't get anymore. You know, like a science teacher would blow up paintings and, you know, look at this, this is how we make explosions, kids. You know? yeah. <laughs> shit like that. Or, teachers who gave a shit about what they were doing, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he literally just wanted to destroy it. He goes, you know, <laughs> ad bastard. And I remember we were in there one time and he made this bomb essentially out of a painting with, I don't know, something inside. Lit it, it exploded and the lid flew up, punched out a hole and, you know, the, the polystyrene tiles. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If, if, if a teacher said, come here tomorrow after school and I'll show you someone these days, they'd be <laughs> fucking banged up for, you know, on the register for the rest of their lives, like. More naive times. Like, <laughs> yeah. Having said that, I've got a couple of stories. <laughs> 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 but, maybe for another time. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, I turned up, I went there and there was a couple of, it was older kids. You know, I was the first year at the time and there was like maybe kids from the fifth year and that'd be more, be more sophisticated. Right. More guys than I. And he, he pops out, um, says, sit down. And he's got, he opens up, you know, all the cupboards having a chemistry uh, class and they will keep them locked because it's full of chemicals and God knows what else. You can't have little 13-year-old hands grabbing. Yeah. Um, he opened them up and he had like, all these miniatures in there, like painted miniatures. And he got a big old Sarah Lee cake, whacked that out. We all had a slice and says, right, this is how we do it. I'm going to teach you how to play this game. These lads already know. Just play along. Make choices in, in, the, in, in the kind of you're adopting a character. And obviously, it's a, this is quite a lot for me. But I, I went with it. And that was it. It was actually, I think it was a Warhammer Fantasy roleplay. Right. I've been playing rather than D&D. But um, I think he, he sort of homebrewed it a little bit. You know, he, he smashed all sorts of things into it. But I remember it being bleak as fuck. And I was like, yeah, yes, I'm into this. And I just ended up playing with him for quite some time. It, the, 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 the club itself fizzled out. But that, that's what lit the fuse and got me into D&D. And uh, but it actually was more Warhammer, like I said, at the time, because that was what was accessible to me. Right. But, um, we had a head shock. I'm rambling here, Tim. If you want to give me... No, mate, you fucking crack on, bud. Crack on. <laughs> this is fucking good stuff. Um, <laughs> we had this head shock down on Margate's Seafront, right, where they sold drugs paraphernalia. <laughs> I didn't know what any of that stuff was, but, you know, yeah. and, like poppers and all that. You know, what was that stuff? Liquid gold? They used to... Uh, do you remember that? Like, no, I'm, I'm, like poppers, poppers I am more than familiar with, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> Tell me about it. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> no, mate, you that, that that shit will do your fucking head right in. It, it feels like your brain is being squashed, man. That's fucking horrible. <laughs> I remember some kids so like around my way you were into that stuff, and I remember like the smell of it. Yeah, I never, I mean, I never, I never participated myself. Oh fuck me, it's it's, it's horrendous. We had loads of glue sniffers around that way as well. So yeah. that was the uh, drug of choice. Yeah, these lads going and getting poppers, and then like this some fella walking up and down outside of a you know. Brown, brown paper bag full of 
Oh. With a ton of spots yeah. around their mouths and pretending, oh, we're so fucking punk rock, but glue sniffing in it. Fuck off. <laughs> this guy, I remember this guy, the, the glue sniffer in particular, fuck me, he just wandered out to the road one day and got bullied by a, by a speeding car because he was off his tits. You know? Well, the thing is, like, uh, I, I would say, oh, so sorry and all that, but you know, <laughs> that's the glue for you, man. In it? Yeah. Anyway, so that was that. Um, but yeah, there was a head shop down on the seafront and. Uh, we used to ride our bikes down there, uh, and I instantly I discovered that place when I was getting chased by skinheads. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a cool story. Um, when, I, when I was real small, I'd ride my bike through this place, Hartsdown Park, um, yeah. down to the seafront. And um, Margate's always had these big mod and skinhead weekend. It's got a history. It's like, you know, pitch battles of mods and rockers and stuff down there. Um, anyway, what they would do is they'd have this, they'd all stick them in this basically this park. So you, I rode through, I didn't know this was happening because I was, you know, 12 or whatever. I just, it was a seas of boot boys. So we're talking, it must have been like 84, 85 maybe. I'm yeah. Um, I might be a little later, 87, because I literally started secondary school. So it was a seas of like, you know, boot boys. And I know there's a kind of like, uh, people have this kind of um, warm feeling, I think these days towards skinhead culture and the way it looks and things like that. But my, my experience of it was always quite negative. <laughs> I think most people from the 80s, you know, their experience of skinheads is incredibly fucking negative, you know, because yeah, it exactly. usually involves being punched in the face or kicked in the head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That. And I think these, it's weird these days, isn't it, where you see like a lot of kind of youngsters kind of like, like that style. And I get the, I get the aesthetic. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I've always been like somewhat, somewhat negative that wasn't based on these experiences. Anyway, I was riding a bike through the... Um, on the path and some dickhead gets up yeah mate you go on your bike and the grifter the rally grifter I was like no chance mate this is my steed <laughs> I didn't say that as I was thinking I was like fuck off mate this is the reason and then the slipped so I couldn't get away quick enough <laughs> 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 I went um, pegging it away and these, these two boneheads come steaming after us um, and we got through the park you know it was probably something, looking back it was something out of the film but you know so thankfully as you came out of the park, it was a massive hill that runs down onto the seafront. So I, I was giving it the big legs down there on my bike. <laughs> These two geezers chasing us, screaming at us through this um, underground car park. Um, and I come out the other side, up in a puff in the knackered. And, <clears throat> and lo and behold, I'm right in front of this shop, and there, there in the window is a big box of talisman and bullrogs and God knows what else. Oh. You know, like, and, uh, I remember there was like Gurkha knives in there as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just like parked my bike, got my breath of fresh air, and, and, and went in there to have a look. And it was, it was all a place like um, patchouli. Oh, God, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they wouldn't have been, they didn't have their miniatures within reach. They had them all on this, this back shelf. Um, so you had to ask the old bird who worked in there to uh, pass them down to you. Can I, can I look at that one, please? Right <laughs> then. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> whatever it was. So you just, and she, you'd only ever, she'd only ever squeezed 250 out of you or whatever it was because even that seemed a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was it. And I, I used to go in all the time and I walked in with, um, there was this, Gorgeous punk girl who worked in there. You know, like, um, oh, sorry, this sounds like objectifying women or whatever. But oh, she was, mate, mate, she I... was like, you know, you know what it is when you see like a, when you were a little kid and there's a striking cool girl in there. She had like, um, does she have on? My my proper weakness in life, right? Uh, uh, brunette punk women, and that's that, that 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 they will be the death of me. I hope, you know, I hope that's how I. <laughs> I shuffle off this fucking mortal coil because I can't think of a finer way to go. <laughs> There's definitely worse ways to go. Yeah, yeah. Getting hit by a 
basketball sniffing glue. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I walked in there and there's this girl who worked in there and um, yeah, she was just like, um, it's like something out of a film. She had like side of red shades. I mean, oh. this is, this is 80s Margot, so it's just, this is a big look in that time. Yeah. You know, I had like uh, sort of, you know, black dreads or whatever and she's, I walked in and I'll always remember it because I had like a Judge Death t-shirt on, okay? I was a little kid, I had this Judge Death t-shirt on with like, a, it was a, a I want to say a Brian Bolland illustration of Judge Death. Right. There into the face of death. I wore yeah. it all the time. Um, and it had little holes in it. From just, it was just moth-eating because I wear it all the time. I walked in and I was pointing at those things and she says, what? What have you got? Why have they got holes in your shirt? Are they rock burns? And I didn't know what she meant. You know, I was like, what? Rocks? I no, it was holes. She, was, she goes, are you like a little tired? And I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, no idea. I was so naive and innocent. I had no idea what she was talking about. So I was like, uh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. But anyway, whenever I go in there, she'd be like, Grenadier made the best miniatures ever. Them and Ralph Parker, mate. Oh, so fuck. Two that I liked a lot. Unbelievably good. Unbelievably you know, good. The, the boxes and the artwork so striking back then. Yeah. Look at it. Oh, fucking hell, that looks, that looks amazing. Um, and I'd spend hours in there. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't a game shop, per se. I found out years later, actually, when I was back in Margaret, I ran into the brother of that woman. Right. Because um, he, he used to send stuff into White Dwarf. He, he, he used to kit bash loads of mad, like, you know, You've got a, a module coming out soon, haven't you? You've written one, a new one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's at the bottom floor and got worked away at the top. It's just, just like, yeah, like dread. Yeah. It was a similar setup to that. That, that happened, didn't it? It worked really well when we when we ran it. And the lads, it's one of the things that we talk about, you know, I'm sure yourself, when you, when you think about games you played in the past, you go, yeah, well, that was a, that was a cool night or whatever. Um, so I thought maybe we'll try it with other things. And I'll, maybe I'll write it down and see if other people like it. So I started, I already had the world drawn out. Right. Pulled that out of my brain. So I started writing it. And it sort of took on a bit of a life of its own. Um, naturally, I sort of, you know, the sort of person I am, I end up sort of mashing different things together. And we were living in a very politically volatile time. So there was, you know, there's, there's a lot of kind of um, oppressive, you know, <laughs> oppressive uh, white male regimes in it and stuff. And everyone else sort of like rising up to give them a kick in. So 
Um, there was a bit of that in there, and it sort of took on a bit of life of its own, where it became more of a, almost more of a horror sort of theme thing. Right. But I wrote it. I didn't think I'd, I had no real big intentions of it being anything more than maybe send it out to a few friends and see if they liked it or whatever. But it sort of took on a bit of a life of its own. I ended up putting a bit more time into it because I, I actually had the time. I work, I work in a special school, you know, kids with um, social and behavioural problems, uh, disabilities, and uh, over the uh, initial lockdown period, we were on like a, the staff one a bit of a, a rotated shift. Right. So I had a bit more free time, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll invest in trying to flesh this out. But, you know, because, you know, one of the, 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 great, <laughs> the great things I hate about life is that you don't have the time to do the things you enjoy, you know, you spend all the time working, and then on the Saturday, you try and cram in all, you know, all these ideas. And yeah, your time just disappears and sucked away from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not alone there because I feel exactly the same I, I, you're, you're a writer you're a proper writer you've got it, it doesn't matter it really doesn't matter I always think how the fuck did I get here have I, I, I con these people into doing this have I con somebody to read my fucking book you know what I mean I never feel like I'm as good as somebody else do you know what I mean I, I, I always feel like shit what am I doing here I haven't got a fucking clue what's going on I have no idea. I, I, see, I always thought it was just me. You know what I mean? I didn't even know there was such a thing as imposter syndrome until earlier this year. And then, and then it pops. I was like, fuck, you know, it's a real thing. Like, yeah, it is. It's just yeah. you, you automatically think, you know, because I think there's, there's, a, there's a part of me that always thinks, oh, you must have had to go to, like, I don't know, game design school or, like, Dungeons and Dragons school in order to write these things. Or, you know, it's the same with music. I, yeah. You know, I, I, don't, I don't profess to be any kind of musician. And I was, <laughs> I mean, I'm literally just, just a man who shouts loads. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so anyway, like I said, I, I cracked on with it, with this thing. People see, the, the, a couple of people had, had a look at it and said, this is actually all right. Um, so I was like, right, basically it's just me taking a gamble with things. I go, right, I'll throw it out into the world. If people like it, cool. What actually inspired it, though, was um, a bunch of punks got approached by that band of Black Dahlia Murder, who, who I understand, I didn't, really know anything about but I understand they're, they're a very very popular death metal band but I yeah. I had no understanding of what they were about so I don't remember I heard the name but it, it, you know that because you did that killer box set for them as well didn't you yeah, yeah. Well, this is what preceded this yeah um, and because and, and we did this that was sort of like give me the sort of kick up the bum to think mm, I could probably do this you know if I can do that I can do this that whole Black Darling murder thing was quite quite bizarre um, yeah but he looked good man yeah. fucking hell it looked really good Right. So we had to make it kind of basic enough 
so that new people wouldn't get overwhelmed by it. But also interesting enough, so if there was any season the players were picking up, there'd be a bit of bite for them. Right. Um, so that we did, like I said, we just drew, we, we, we sort of dreamt up this thing, whipped it together, Rich Bruce and Maps, and we just put in loads of funny stuff. Um, but to amuse ourselves, there was like there's a mutation table in there. You know, a bit like the old realms of chaos mutation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we put one of those in there, and the, 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 the basically the, the, the band themselves only asked for what we asked. What do you want in this? Do you know what you're talking about? And they were like, we're, we're just really we're really keen on slime. We want slime in it. <laughs> right. Like, All right, man. So I had this idea of being like the slime was like some essence of a summoned god. You know what I mean? That had gone wrong. You know, summoning and that right. Oh, proper Lovecrafty and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Man, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so there's loads of that sort of crap. Even though we, there's loads of like quite big horror shit in there, so you've got to put a bit of a macabre wit in there as well. Haven't you? Always, it's a, yeah, yeah. Uh, no one was really miserable all the time. So yeah, so based off the back of that, I used part of that setting in, in my own. We figured if people have bought that game and right. like it, maybe they'll want to see if there's any more. So we just thought, let's just make one, see if people like it. And uh, as it goes, there is. The, the, the version of the text they used in the Black Dahlia game was not the, the finished one. They used an earlier draft. Right. For some reason, which is very frustrating to me. Because um, I put loads of like, little Easter eggs and stuff in there that didn't get picked up in the end. But anyway, this should be out. I think, I'm hoping beginning of the next year. And I'm, I'm, I've sort of saved up some money and I'm going to sort of publish it myself purely because I don't want anyone else taking a financial risk on it. You know, I, I know some people have expressed an interest in publishing it, which I'm very flattered by. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't want a load of books stuck under someone's bed. Right, I got it. can't, they can't shift. So, are you, are you, are you going to work off a pre-order with it? So, kind of like, if sure. this is the amount... I'm look, yeah, I've looked into a few things about how, how to do it, and like, I thought I could do a pre-order, or there's, there's a print-to-order kind of thing that you yeah. can possibly do. Like, a friend of mine did his name that way. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to... I'm going to print... I decided to do 300 of them. Yeah. I'm doing it like a square bound format. So it's not mega expensive. It'll probably come out at about seven or eight pounds. Yeah. Um, and I will do some different options with it. Like, because some of the artwork's really cool and I figure it would look cool on a t shirt. And I've done a booklet as well. Like, there's a, there's a bunch of punk zine that comes with it. So if you order it for 10 quid, you'll get the book, the zine, and like some stickers or something. It'd be, be worthwhile. That's a so, fucking good package, man. I'll be ordering that one. Yeah, man. The, the, the punk in me won't ever allow me to. People, like, when I was making the zine recently, I said, oh, I, I, I don't, 
don't know how I feel about charging for this. And were, people would tell me, charge a fiver. But as I'm sure you well know, Tim, oh, you're from the era where zines cost 50p or a pound. I, I can never <laughs> justify charging anybody for anything I do. I, again, I think yeah. that comes from imposter syndrome. Because you think, well, why is anyone want to go to pay for my shit? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, for my old bullshit. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. that. You know, and, and that's what we're always up against. That, that's my constant battle is trying to find some sort of financial worth in these things I do for fun. So I don't know. But yeah, anyway, that's coming out. It's called um, it's called the Judas Halo, and I think that'll be out beginning the next year. It was called Samples Heaven, but I thought it was a bit cheap. <laughs> <laughs> oh fucking my god! Who cares? Like you know? Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's got some uh, some. And I think there's enough stuff in it to keep people interested, that's for sure. So we talk about like moving on from scenes and stuff, because Trap Nerve has just come out the next you know, the second issue. Yeah. Um and it's proper fucking old school, mate. It's proper, you know, <laughs> proper eighties love. No, it's it's fucking amazing. It's great. It just catapults yeah. you straight back there. So are you gonna be doing more of them? That's, here's the thing, right? Uh, it's it's so I did those things as I had time. The first issue was literally, I had loads of stuff kicking about because I've been doing Harder Day Fall occasionally. Yeah. I got burnt out with it, you know, I was a bit fed up with doing things anyway. So uh, I didn't interview people for it. Then they just been sat on my computer because unfortunately I do lapse into these sort of periods of inertia and depression where I just think, oh, what's the fucking point? You know, do you know what I mean? What no, no, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah. You, I'm sure you know how it is. Yeah. It's just it's sometimes I, I'm, I'm, I'm the top of the game of two halves. So I'll either let the. In, insanely productive and doing loads and loads of shit or I'll literally lie on the kitchen floor you know it's, it's, it's one or the other um, well it's those moments when you look at the computer screen or Facebook or something you, just go, you can all just fuck off and just you know because <laughs> it happens and you just want to go sit in the corner and watch fucking Star Wars marathons because that's, that's that's exactly yeah. it exactly it sometimes I just want to sit there and, and, and live in Empire Strikes Back you know yeah 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 <laughs> exactly <laughs> man. Um, but anyway so I like I said, when this lockdown thing happened, I, I, I've gone through this spurt of energy where I was thinking, I've got this time. I'm never going to have this much time off again in my adult life, so I will never have the excuse that I didn't have time to do these things that I sort of mutter and chunt on about doing. So I thought, right, I'll get the game book done and I'll do something with these interviews. So I was, I was literally sat in, in the class. I was in, I got moved to a different class and the kids I was working with, there was only like two or three of men because they came from pretty bad uh, domestic circumstances so they had to be in school. Yeah. Um, and I was sat there and I just started cutting up these interviews. And I, I'm not I'm not a man with a lot of computer skills. You know, I can, I can sort of navigate, you know, a few bits and pieces, but ultimately the way I know how to do things is what's, from what I grew up with. Really, cut up. and paste, man. Cut and paste all the way. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, right, I'll just, I'll cut up these interviews, I'll stick them, you know, onto, onto backgrounds and, Away I went. Anyway, I started making backgrounds using some like um, images, you know, bits and pieces from old punk zines, flyers and stuff that I had kicking around. I thought I might as well use them for something. So I started sticking these backgrounds together. And the kids showed a bit of interest. They were like, cause I, was, I was doing it on the company time. Because <laughs> 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 they were just sitting there playing Connect Four. I said, oh, I'm just making a bit of collage. And they said, well, can we try? And I, I, of course, that's, that's my thing. I'm like, if they are interested, no, you know, feed them. If I can get these, these are like eight-year-olds into like making. Kim, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. So I had them all sat down with me. We, I said, get a flat paint, get the glue, and let's get the morbid angel logo out. And this is what we're doing. I was, <laughs> I just had them all help me sticking these things down, and they they had no concept of what it was about. They just knew that it looked cool. And after I showed them how to do it, they went off and made their own. They, you know, uh, even one of my colleagues, her partner, they were, they were really into gaming. The pair of them, and um, she she made a girlfriend. Uh, I came in one day, and she made a girlfriend a fanzine on how to get through a particular 
The Last of Us. I think it's the game's called The Last of Us 2. Anyway, is that one of these video games? Because if it is, I've got a fucking clue, mate. You yeah, I've got a clue. But, yeah. You know, young, young people shit. But oh, okay, fair enough, yeah. Enough. <laughs> she's into it enough where she put together the whole fanzine. I was like, Fuck, you know. what is this? She, you know, she's not a punk. She's not anything. Uh, like, it doesn't come from our culture, but she'd seen me do this thing. She was like, that's a really cool idea. She just made one for a girl. So while, while she was at work, a girl was working her way through this fanzine that had all these cheats and little maps and stuff. And I thought that was really cool. Anyway, um, so yeah, the kids helped me make it. I stuck it all down, made them for right. We'll, we'll send it off and see if people are interested. Because I rolled interviews, so I, I felt kind of an obligation to the people that actually take on the time to write their answers. You know, I felt like a bit yeah. flat, no, no good sitting on my computer. And I didn't know how to make a, a website, so I thought, well, I'll just I'll do it the old-fashioned way. Anyway, I stuck it together, bunged it out, and that was that. And this, you know, people seemed to like it. So. Mate. <clears throat> Seriously, it's, it's it's literally like taking a snapshot back in the eighties. It's fucking great. Yeah, lovely. I'm, I'm pleased with it. You know, it came out all right. And it, like I said, it kept me occupied. Also, it's a good. My brain is constantly swirling. Apart from the moments when I'm asleep, when I wake up, I'm angry about something. Yeah. Eyes <laughs> <laughs> open, furious. Um, it helps me to sort of unclutter my brain by putting it down on paper. And it's always been the same with whether it be short stories or. Anything else, just whack it all down, and I, I feel a bit of peace. You know what I mean? So that's what I did. And then for the second issue, because people were asking about it, I thought, right, I actually make it a focused animal this time. And I had some artwork laying around for a cover. <clears throat> and I just I know, interviewed a few bands that were interesting, and I, I try and interview younger bands, right? Because I think there's there's that old guy. We have an old guy syndrome in hardcore. Now I don't know how guilty you are of it, but I, I am. No, I'm completely yeah. guilty of it because like, I'm just like fuck, fuck the kids. I disagree because you, you're you're a hopeful man because you do a fanzine, an online fanzine. Yeah, you've been doing since fucking year dot. Literally, I remember being a kid getting yours in and thinking, "Oh, this guy she's gonna always do my day." I was like, I I See, that's again, that's imposter syndrome, man. I have never had a fucking clue what I'm doing. I'm just <laughs> blundering my way through as best I can, like. But you're passionate, mate, and that's what matters when you read that thing. When you read your zine, yeah, you care about those things, and that's what's that's enthusiasm is an energy that is very attractive and can draw people in do you know what I'm saying yeah 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 yeah. yeah. When I, see no, that, I appreciate that man it means a lot like no, thank it's, you it's, it's true and so I, and I think that's it you, you've got to create energy about these things if you read something that's like you know, there's a lot of miserable moaning and stuff that goes on I'm, I'm guilty of as well the, the new hard that they fall has got a lot of me mumbling on about fuck all um, no, see, yeah. that's that. All that is that's, that's you've learnt in your frustration of the world, and that's what scenes are for. They give you an outlet. They give you a voice, yeah. so other people can read what you're feeling. And think I'm not. The, I'm not fucking alone. You know, there are other people out there like this, like me. I'll be, I, I'll be honest with you. One of the one of the few things that's come back off of that is a lot of older people wrote saying, or you know, commenting to that effect, said it's interesting to see what kind of person you actually are because all we've ever seen is you shouting your head off yeah in three minute songs being mad at the world but it's obviously a bit more that kind of make, makes you tick a little bit and I suppose it's easier it, I can be a more kind of um, a fuller person if you like in the, in the pages of a zine where I can write I can articulate myself better it's easy to put that shit down and write and then try to speak about it because it's, cause, yeah. you know I think the way we were raised our generation is you're taught not to talk about this shit. So it's easy to write yeah. it because you don't have to talk about it. You don't have to articulate it. You don't have to vocalise it. You don't have to tell someone about it because all you're doing is putting it on a piece of paper. And if that's shared with the world, yeah. that's a completely different animal. I think as well the fact that, like, uh, once it's written, 
I'm one of these people that as soon as I do something, yeah. I fucking hate it. I like the act of doing it. Right. Cathartic, the manufacture, the putting things together, like the tangent built up. But as soon as it's done, I never want to see it again. You know what I mean? It's the same with records or anything else I might have turned me hand to. I don't sit there and pick over it as a rule. I'm like, right, fuck off. I'm done. That's, that's a part of my life out, out of the air. Right. The next thing. Like, it drives me sort of onward all the time. Um, but yeah, I think you're quite right about that as well, writing things down and articulating. Because we are the generation where, you know, uh, when we were kids, mental health, things like that, they, we, we, they talk about it a lot these days. And I think it's great that there's a, an awareness and understanding of it. I mean, how many, you know, for a long time, men of our generation, with the highest demographic for suicide. Yeah. Oh, it's you know, your men on white men under forty, um, and that's how they just they, you know you, you crack because. We can't talk about it. We were taught not to yeah. talk about it. And because we can't yeah. talk about it, we keep it inside and then one day we just fucking blow. And if we, we either go out with a gun and kill a load of people and then turn it on ourselves or we walk in the woods and just fucking hang ourselves. And that's exactly yeah. how it is. You just, you crawl into a bottle and, and that's yeah. that. You know, the amount is, it's, a, it's a very prominent sort of like trait in my family is like, do you know, do you know what I'm saying? And then it, no, no, I, I know exactly what you mean, man. I do exactly what you mean. working class family. Yeah. That, that dynamic is, is and I still see it quite a lot particularly in the area I work, you know, the neighbourhood I work in, it's, it's very um, deprived. It's one of the most, of, most deprived areas in Leeds. And, um, you know, you do see daily, I see all those kind of problems. And I just, I, I take a walk to work um, every day and I look and sort of see around me and it's like, no wonder people are fucking keeping it hanging themselves. And I'm sad because yeah. this country is fucked. Um, so, yeah, anyway, that's... Uh, <laughs> So anyway, back back to happier things. You don't want to do the st- <laughs> hardcore Star Wars, man. Yes, that's that's my new thing. So yeah, Mandalorian has reignited. I went through a bit of a. Kind oh, of, how fucking good is that show? Mate, mate, fuck me. In a TV program, that's where I live. Every episode is an absolute fucking joy for my oh, eyes. Fuck. They, um, this is even a small. What thing I like about it is this. Okay, I'm a purist. I love Empire Strikes Back. That's my my number one guy. Right. I loved Rogue One. That was that was the film that was in my head when I was a little boy playing with the action figures. Yeah, yeah. Like, what would what would it be like if <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, you know, um, if it was completely desperate. Before I understood that like the Empire was a metaphor for fucking global fascism and <laughs> 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 the uniforms a lot. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So basically, Star Wars is. I don't know. I don't know if it's a, it's a cool thing to admit these days. I feel, I feel like the Star Wars like fandom is kind of shitty these days. See, I don't, I don't give a fuck what other people think. You know what I mean? Yeah, I am a fan of Star Wars. Much the same. I, I saw I went to the cinema to see Star Wars in January '78, and it's been a part of my life ever since. And that yeah, is you're an, you're an OG. I love it. <laughs> uh, you know, and I don't give a fuck if someone likes it or they don't. You know what I mean? My my in some future time when undoubtedly <clears throat> my wife divorces me because I'm a pain in the ass. <laughs> You know, my fucking next partner, the only thing I'm going to look for is, does she like pizza? Does she like Star Wars? Can we out? Do we have something to talk about in common? That's it. None of that other shit fucking matters, man. That's all that matters, Star Wars. It's actually a criteria, Tim. Me and you should probably get together because, I mean, I love pizza. I love pizza. Well, I'm, I'm down with that, brother. You know what I mean? Fucking, it's been, it's, been a, it's been a long life with very little experimentation, so fucking... <laughs> fucking, that's the next step. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, quite, I quite agree. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things, much like Star Wars, much like um, the Flight Fantasy books, yeah. much like 2000 AD and, and Discovering Punk. Those those are pure things for me that I did without, they're not painted by anybody else. And with Star Wars, I remember, I, I knew it was something I wanted to be into because I'm, I'm not 
I'm not quite as old as you, Tim. Yeah. I didn't get to see it. Very, very few people are quite as old as me. <laughs> Fucking uh, Yoda of Harker, aren't you? <laughs> I think like, well, he's been hanging in longer than me. Yeah, definitely, actually. Yeah, he's been a little bit longer. But again, another great example. Creative man still doing oh, things. Oh, dude, um, he's, he, he, he's the fucking pinnacle that we all have to aspire to. You know what I mean? He is. That fanzine. Holy smokes. Um, but anyway, yeah, Star Wars. Um, I remember seeing the radio time, or the TV time, sorry, uh, when I was a nipper, and it had, they were showing Star Wars telly for the first time. Oh. This must be, I, I, I checked it. I think it must be like 19... 19- 83, 80. 80, maybe 82 actually, but I remember. Yeah, it's, it's more like 82 because they re-released it in 80 before Empire came out, and I remember that, and yeah. George Lucas had that yeah. thing of his ass about, it can't be on TV for five years. Yeah, so, that's right, it used to be different. Then, kids don't yeah. even know these days, like you can access movies the moment they come out these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Back then, you had to wait for ages, you know. Yeah, five, it's it's five, five, years, five years, so it'd be, it'd be 82. Yeah, yeah. 82 is right, so. I remember seeing the, the TV Times comes on. I mean, then dropped it around, and um, there's Darth Vader. I think he was. I think they were on the front cover. I was like, "What the fuck is?" You know, when you see it, it's like, "What is that?" Yeah, it looks amazing. Um, I think my dad must have said something about it at the time. Uh, if I was a good boy, I could stay. It was Sunday night, I think, which is bath night uh, for you young people. <laughs> 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 yeah, fucking seven o'clock bath time, man. Yeah, oh, fuck me. Yeah, so you have to watch Antiques Roadshow, Songs of Praise, and then you might get. But, but fucking Poirot or something. I like Miss Marvel. Yeah, yeah. On this on this fine occasion, we had Star Wars, and I was like, "There's no way I'm missing this." So I'd be eating myself all week, and I remember <laughs> sat down, uh, popped myself in front of the telly, um, with a jam sandwich, and uh, and that was it. I was in, I was wrapped. I was in. I, I couldn't believe my eyes. There's something about that. Seeing it. At, how old would I be? Six. Yeah, six. Yeah. And that was it. Just a absolute game changer. I, I fell in love from that moment on, and every every birthday after that. It was Star Wars. Give me Star Wars stuff. You know what I mean? I, I, like I said, my, my dad's, my dad comes from a, a big family, so there's a lot of, he's got about 12 brothers. So, and at that time, they were still sort of somewhat in our life. So, you know, I, I benefited my Star Wars. My Star Wars <laughs> benefited from, uh, you know, these, these random uncles or what have you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I definitely remember that. I was just like, it, it was just, yeah, it, it, it dug his heels straight in. And I've got a good... Am I rambling, Tim? Because I've, I've got a good story. Mate, you, mate, you fucking carry on. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so, Star Wars finishes. I, I know that there's another chapter, okay? Because even, even as a youngster, I realised that it was episode four. Yeah. See, this is the thing, right? That that crawl, when that crawl went up in 78, right? Yeah. There was no fucking New Hope on there. It was just Star Wars episode four. It was just Star Wars. And it, you know, it still gets on my tits now. People go, well, I want to see a New Hope. Get fucked. It's Star Wars. Yeah, it's Star Wars. Yeah. That's right. Um, so, yeah, anyway, Flipboard. I, I, we didn't have a video or anything like that. So, uh, that one showing was absorbed fully. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, 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 I hung on everything because I, I didn't know when I was going to just get to see it again. Maybe they'd show it again next year or something. But that was, it was an event, you know, it's event television. So I go to school and there's other kids in my class who have video record Betamax or what have you, video records. We didn't have a video record until much, much, much later. Right. Um, but we had this kid, Keith Smith. I remember him because he had a moustache even though he was like six years of age. Um, <laughs> yeah, but there's always one of those kids in there that's yeah. always got a fucking moustache. No matter how old they are, like, you walk into school first day of primary, they've got a fucking moustache. got a little muzzy. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, he, he was having a birthday party and I knew, I knew, because he had E.T. on video and he had Empire Strikes Back. Now, 
cunning, <laughs> the cunning Nathan Bean comes into play. He was, he was, he was you know, when you were those little kids and they was like, right, we're going to the swimming pool. You're all invited to come to the swimming pool, have a swim around, and then they go to a McDonald's. And back then, you go to a McDonald's, you'd have, it would be a root beer. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was different then, wasn't it? And I was like, okay, whatever. I didn't really give a shit about that. So I went, knowing full well, I, was, I can't swim. I'm from the seaside, but I nearly drowned when I was a kid. And I, so I don't fuck with the sea. You know what I mean? I ain't going near that thing. Uh, <laughs> I was like, there's no way I'm swimming. So I, 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 see, I used to love swimming until I saw Jaws and the ocean can just fuck off. <laughs> it takes a lot of the joy out of things. It, it does, yeah. <laughs> Those things are out there. The things that live under the under the surface are worse than things that <laughs> go paddling on, on top like fucking... Uncovered the Jaws poster still fucking gives me the willies, you know, oh. that, that thing coming up out of the water, those, those prone legs. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Haunting, haunting stuff. Yeah. Anyway, Keith Smith's birthday party. He's, um, we're all going swimming and then we're going to McDonald's afterwards and I'll you know, come back home and your parents will pick you up or what have you. I thought, there's no way I'm going swimming. I'm not getting dragged into this shit, but I do know he's got a V8, like a, a copy of Empire Strikes Back at his house. Right. So I go along. Oh, no, I've forgotten my, I've forgotten my trunks. Oh no! Uh, yeah, I, I, what am I going to do? And they said, "Well, tell you what, you can just stay here. Um, <laughs> stay here, and we'll come back, and then we'll get you and we'll take you off the swimming." So I was like, "Yeah, sounds good. Okay." And they had like their video player set up, and I was just like, "Is it okay if I watch a video or something just to wait for you to come back?" And they were like, "Yeah, yeah, just chill here. Like his brother's upstairs. Don't worry about it." So I got them out of the way, and I basically had <laughs> strikes back <laughs> myself in these these random people's house, and I was just like. I mean, I was like seven or something. What mind? That's proper cunning. That's pro- I am. Yeah, I am. A serial killer shit. <laughs> I mean, proper raw, mate. Oh, proper raw. Yeah. Well, they fucked off and I got down to enjoy it. I don't, you know what? I don't even think I saw the whole thing. I think I, I, I missed the very end of it. Right. He was re- he was revealed as his, you know, Bob. Sorry, sorry, listeners. Spoilers, spoilers. Spoiler coming in. Bob Vader's his dad. I got to that bit. I was like, fuck. And then, they turned up and I had to go to visit Hamburg or what have you. But, um, yeah, so that was that. And then the, literally a year later for my next birthday, Return of the Jedi came out. And it's the one sort of, you know, get your violins out here, kids, because it was the one memory I have of my childhood with all my family where they were just like, we're taking you to see Return of the Jedi on your birthday. And, and it sort of stuck in the head. You know what I mean? It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. And then, of course, we had to wait 20-odd years, whatever, for the next let's not even go down the fucking road of Phantom Menace right because that is like I, Disappointment City and when you know that's when I turn for me like oh George Lucas uh, fuck the beard that is that's yeah. the moment I, um, I I made this analogy not so long since where I, I when it was announced that um, oh who's the guy who did um, who did Force Awakens what's his name Force Awakens that's J.J. Abrams yeah, yeah I likened him at the time to being like um, I, I said he's like it's like George Lucas suddenly went from being your fate, your dad, to being uh, the dad who molests you. <laughs> and then here's J.J. Abrams comes in as like your mum's new boyfriend. He's actually all right and kind of gets it. You know what, yeah. you know what I mean? That was my analogy. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's, um, yeah, the fact of this, I've got, I'll, I'll tell you this, you can cut this out if you want to, but since you're on the No, go, go, just go, just, just go, man. It's, it's all good. I worked in a comic shop right around that time, okay, when the Phantom Menace was coming out. And obviously, you're a Star Wars fan, so you remember how excited we all were. Yeah. New chapter, okay? Exciting stuff. Um, we've waited 20 years for this. I worked in a comic shop at the time. Now, the comics industry was, was not in great shape at that time. So, the comic store I worked in, which is an independent, was diversified. So, not only do we have all the back issues and stuff, we had to get fresh money through the door in order to survive. So, 
Beanie Babies were a thing. And everyone laughs at me when I tell this story, but it's... <laughs> so my boss would get these Beanie Babies in because, and I hate to say it because I'm, I'm not, I'm not um, being horrible here, but it was, a, it was a huge thing for middle-aged women and mums, okay? They loved those things. They got into it like you and me got into Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking obsessed about that shit. And some of these bears would be more rare or exclusive than others. It was it was run in a, in a kind of like, almost like a, uh, a pyramid scheme style. Do you know what I mean? You couldn't, you couldn't order <laughs> the ones that people wanted. You had to order all this other bullshit and based upon what you ordered, you might get a few of these other bears. Right. So me and my, my boss at the time had an export going on with some people in America who wanted, who were importing the rare British bears that you couldn't get anywhere else. And I'm talking, I'm not talking 4 I'm talking silly money for these things. Right. Like hundreds of pounds. So he figured out a scam where he could basically sell dummy accounts in these other businesses around the same street and we would coin in these bears. Okay, so we had loads of them and we'd sell them. Anyway, you couldn't just send them over. We had to transport them. And he says to me one day, he says, how do you fancy going to see the Phantom Menace? I was like, what, in America? He's like, yeah, because this is the time where things weren't released at the same time. You know, you, you don't yeah. have to have first. So he says, you got to come, you want to come? We'll go over there and what we'll do is for the rest of the time we're there, we're only going to be out there four days. We need to do a bit of business. We'll go see Phantom Menace on open night. And then we'll go to like Universal and Disney World and that. He goes, I'm paying. All you need to do is bring a suitcase with Fuck. nothing in it. Fuck me. That, you know, that, that's, that's the kind of thing we go, is he going to molest me? Couldn't give a fuck. I'm going to see the Phantom Menace. He can do what he wants. I'll scour the memories away. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the shower's for. Like, and that's what the... Shower and bleach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, <laughs> I says, yeah, no, Brian, I'll go. Fuck it. Um, so we turn up, and my suitcase was filled with these exclusive Beanie Babies, like, loads of them. We turn up, we get to Florida, we walk to this hotel where this meeting is taking place. Dude, I, and I, I shit you not, we walked in, and the woman, <laughs> the woman sat at a table with, like, her retainers. Okay, <laughs> these two men. We walk in, and it's like this. Do you have the merchandise? <laughs> <laughs> it's like someone on The Godfather or some shit, yeah. No, honestly, I remember I was there and I literally had like a, I think I had a fucking Earth Crisis t-shirt. My hair was bleach blonde, you know, I was like, like a dick. And like, <laughs> <laughs> we, we walk in, we present these suitcases and like, they're just like, and a, and a considerable sum of money changed hands. Put this way, it was enough money to pay for my, my um, housing for the weekend and my, my plane ticket out there. On, so he was clearly making a lot of bank off of it. Bloody hell. Do the business. The deal is done. Let's go out for dinner. I remember we were, at the time I was I was super vegan and we went to a, my boss obviously isn't, he wanted to go to a steakhouse. <laughs> we, we walk in and it was on these places in, on the Florida Strip where like, um, it had like, I remember we walked in and I was really offended because he, he had a chandelier made of antlers. We were walking into like, you know, Lost Boys front room, you know, all that bullshit around. Um, I remember we walked in there, sat down, and the guy come over to the, who was the host, you know, his servant, as he comes over and goes, oh, now guys, well, you know, what can I get? Everyone's like, oh, I'll have a burger and a, a beer. And I'm like, oh, I'll have a lemonade, please. And a, a portion of chips. You know, <laughs> just some little pussy um, He just looked at me like I was, like I'd literally just offended his masculinity. Yeah. He just comes like a quarterback, you know, he's as big as fuck. He comes over, he's Here's your burgers, guys. Here's your chips. Gives me, he's literally frozen at me. He gives me my drink, and it was like, he'd give me a, it was a pink lemonade served in a little booty, like a little cup. <laughs> <laughs> like a little glass boot. And he, 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 
he might as well have just said like <laughs> he, was, he was clearly like, trying to make a point anyway um, but yeah we went off afterwards and the next day was when Phantom Menace came out and we uh, we trotted along to that and uh, I've been trying to expunge the memories from, from my brain ever since you know what I, mean? I think we all have anybody you know who grew up with the original trilogy has oh. been, uh, mate it's just that uh, I can't even yeah, yeah it's painful I tried you know I, I, I revisited it a couple of years after the, after the initial pain sort of like <laughs> disappeared somewhat I was like okay yeah, I'll have a try and here's the thing uh, I was talking to a lad yesterday at work one of the, my colleagues he's a lot young he's like 24 and he happened to mention that Star Wars and Mandalorian and I said you like it and he goes yeah I love it I said what's your, what's your favourite Star Wars film and he said either Star Wars or Phantom Menace and this is where I showed a great deal of restraint to him because I didn't automatically go you little bitch <laughs> what are you doing I just thought to myself you know what that came out when you were a kid that's your thing I'm not going to take a shit on it because that's what I hate when people yeah, for years whenever I was at school oh you read comics oh you like Dungeons and Dragons oh you know what I mean like space robots you're a little fucking nerd fuck you it, uh, if I do that now I'm exactly the same as all these other people it's, it's just a generational thing it's the way people yeah. you know introduce something I, I get that it's not for me but it is for you yeah. and that's fine it's I don't really you know important for them, yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's it it's, it's important and I'm the same with music these days. Um, there's a lot of stuff that comes out, and I'll, I'll sit there and quite happily say, Black Flag, Youth Today, these are the things that are yeah. exciting and interesting to me. But, but, you know, Bring Me the Horizon and all the other stuff are equally a, 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 a gateway to other people, and it's not for me to sit there and be disparaging about it. It might not be to my taste. It may be very different to the way I came in. Well, to be fair, yeah. I, I've met Bring Me the Horizon, and I met them early when, when they were playing, like, hardcore. Yeah. And they're horrible people then, and they, you know, I can't see as they're going to have changed that much as time has gone on. <laughs> and that's what—that's why I don't like the band because it's not their music; it's just the fact they were dicks. Yeah, it's, it's okay to have a personal grudge. You yeah, know I mean, I, I have a personal grudge with a number of bands, and I want to be using no matter how good they are. But yeah. you know, I, I can't hate on a fan. Put it that way. No, 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 no. If you like their music, that's great. It's yeah. just you know, if you like their music and you ask me why I don't like their music, I'm going to tell you why because the band are dicks. It's that simple. Yeah. So back to Star Wars scene. So what's the crack? Is it coming out next year? Have you got contributors lined up? Because it sounds like it's going to be more akin to a book than a zine by the time you're finished with it. Here's the thing. I, I don't really know. These ideas sort of pop into my head because I, I like to keep occupied and I like to be working on things. I just yeah. thought, let's see how it goes. Cause I, uh, how do they thought was supposed to be a Star Wars thing? Because it's got Stormtroopers on the cover, but it ended up being quite different to that. Right. Um, and I just thought to myself, you know, I have these conversations with people quite a lot about the, the stuff we enjoy. You know, you and I talk about this stuff, and you know, me and Bordy and all those guys, we all thought we do. And I just thought, you know, it'd be nice to sort of collect those feelings together because when I do talk to people about it and I hear their stories, like, you know, you telling me this is stuff so I was in uh, 78, and yeah. this, that, and the other, it, it helps me build a picture of people around me and, and I, it endears them to me. Do you know what I'm saying? So exactly. But it, it would be an amazing book. It's like, you know, this is our gateway into this and this is yeah. where we've gone from it. Like, you know, it's just, it's one of those things. Yeah. It's like instantly brilliant. I don't know. So, yeah, I don't really know what form it would take, to be honest, Tim. It's just yeah. an idea at the moment. I've got a few bits and pieces. And straight away, I, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that, you know, the different sort of bands I've been in and the sort of different sort of spheres I've, I, I dip into from time to time. I've got a lot of, di know a lot of different people. Straight away, the moment I put that thing up on, on the on Facebook or whatever, I had some really nice artwork sent to me. Like Rob, who's the drummer from Blind to Faith, who are a fucking great band. He's a he's a tattooist. That's his that's his day job. 
And then straight away, out of nowhere, he just sent me these two wonderful pieces. And he said, I've had these kicking about there for you. I was like, oh, cheers, mate. Oh, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's nice. It's a flash. So I'll include that maybe. I don't, like I said, I don't know. I'll see what people come up with and we'll take it from there. But I, I, it's just nice. I like working on fun things and I, I just hope that people enjoy reading it, you know. Oh, we do one. Right, I think I've wasted enough of your time today, Nate. I've rambled on then, I mate. <laughs> it's me wasting your time, brother. Trust me. Listen, brother, it was it was a pleasure to speak to you. Likewise, then thanks for having me on. And, uh, I'm sure uh, we'll, we'll, we'll sort something out soon about this uh, uh, Star Wars thing and see what actually what happens. But, all right. Nice well, you keep us posted. Up. I will plug the shit out of all your stuff on the site, man, because I can't get enough of it, seriously. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. You're a good, man. Speak to you soon, mate. In a bit. Right. Cheers, buddy. Bye. This is Roger from Agnostic Front. You're listening to Mass Movement Presents. Okay, so that was me. Max Keenan. Good bloke. Good oh, top hardcore egg. Yes, for sure. Go and buy Trap Nerf. Just, just buy it. Don't hesitate. Get on your little computer. Get your little wallet out. Take your card out. Same card you use for Pornhub, you can use to buy <laughs> Lake Z. Trap so Nerf, just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just buy Trap Nerf. Go do it. Okay, let's deep dive. Deep dive. Deep dive. Let's deep dive. Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins. Henry so, the fucking man. Where the hell do you start with Henry Rollins? I mean, Black Flag. Me. Yeah, he's had such a varied career, though, isn't it? It's, um, I mean, you know, there's fans of Henry Rollins, the actor. There's yeah. fans of Henry Rollins as Henry Rollins in his band. Yeah. There's fans of Black Flag. He's just fans he's a, of you know the spoken word the spoken word stuff. Yeah. yeah, he's just uh, he's had such a varied career. But yeah, so you your relationship with him with Hank starts, starts with Black Flag. Black Flag, yeah. Okay. Um, and then moves on to the Rollins band. And then a friend of mine said, "You know, I'm the Rollins band." You know he does spoken word stuff as well, don't you? Yeah. I had no idea. And he gave him an album called Life in the Capes. Oh, okay. Uh, this has got to be 1989, 1990. Right. Maybe when I get the spoken word stuff. And it was genuinely funny. Not as funny as he went on to become, because you can still see his work out the kinks in, in, in what he's doing. Yeah. But he's genuinely funny. And, I, you know, I said that I am a massive fan of the Rollins band. Probably more so the Rollins band. Much so I love the stuff with Black Flag. Yeah. I prefer the Rollins band. Okay. I just feel there's a there's a weight and a heaviness to it that you don't get from metal and you don't get from punk rock. It's just proper punch you in the gut, visceral, emotive rock that just makes you think. Yeah. But pulls you in with a sort of with massive bursts of sonic energy that are unlike anything else. Yeah, I agree. I mean, my relationship starts actually with Rollins band. Right. And I knew I liked it, but I didn't quite get it at right. first. Yeah. Because I just wanted aggression. And I, aggression to me was heavy shouting. It wasn't. Yeah, it's aggressive in a different way. It's really yeah, emotive. Exactly. It's, it's so I went backwards. Pure... I went Black Flag. Yeah. And then you get to know about Rollins and what he's all about and how intelligent the guy is. Yeah. And then you go back and revisit Rollins with those uh, new information, like the Rollins band. Wow, mm-hmm. okay, I get it now. Uh, so that's how it kind of got for me. Then you go into the, uh, first, is Get in the Van? Um, yeah, that's a, uh, that's, that's the first book. And that's the massive Black Flag tour diary. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That, so that's just super. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was, yeah, so low self opinion was my intro to, right, to okay. Rollins. And then I went back. So it's like in the silence era. Just the, around there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll see the, there's thing off, like the tearing. They were both big sort of videos. Of well, I, I met him once. How was his name? <laughs> I met Henry once. Yeah? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because um, 
The Rollins Band was supporting the Red Hot Chili Peppers on the Blood, Blood Sugar Sex Magic Tour. So was that one, 1993? 91, 92? 91, 92. Uh, yeah, 92, I think. Yeah. 92, maybe. And um, so we were up to Liverpool to see them. And uh, they were playing like the Empire of the World, the Empire, the Empire Theatre of the World Court, something like that. Yeah. Some um, sort of, it's a David Hall size venue. Okay, yeah, yeah. And um, so we went to see them and well, the Chili Peppers were great that night because they're had, still Had that. you gone for the Chilies or had you gone for Rollins? Uh, I'd gone for more gone for Rollins than the Chilies. Yeah, I, I love the Chili Peppers. I love the Chili Peppers, but at that point, I'm still yeah. they are really, a really good band. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'd already seen the Rollins band because they played at Finsbury Park. Okay, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, I want to see, because there's a big festival at Finsbury Park, which was like uh, Rollins Band, Killing Joke, The Mission, and New Model Army. Right. Which to me is like there's two bands on there worth seeing, but it's the Rollins Band's Killing Joke. So yeah. I'm going. Um, <laughs> and the Rollins Band were arguably the best band that day. Killing Joke were great, but they were loud. I mean, they were really, really eardrum yeah. splitting loud that day. The new model album were okay, and the mission with a pile of boring, gothy old wank. With <laughs> people doing that swirly hand dance. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? And their black shirts doing all yeah. flowy and shit. <laughs> and I just, it was just sending me to sleep, and I just wanted to push the goth guys over them. You know, went off with their girlfriends. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we came up to Liverpool, and um, Henry Rollins comes past me, and all I can think to say is, "Right, oh. <laughs> you're Henry." Right? To which Henry Rollins <laughs> oh, replies, no. "Yes, yes, I am." <laughs> and I just went straight off, and that's my sole conversation with Henry Rollins. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. You're not no, I've never interviewed Henry Rollins. I've seen him like five times doing this. Spoke more so five times, yeah, yeah. but I've never had a chance to interview. I would kill for a chance yeah, to yeah. Rollins. Yeah, um, I think it, I would probably waste two hours of his time that he'd never get back <laughs> because it would just be like a load of fanboy questions and just all <laughs> you know shit. Um, but yeah, Henry Rollins has been yeah he's been a staple part of my life for thirty two years. So what's your ridiculous. essential Rollins and what's your essential uh, listening for Rollins? My essential Rollins listening. Would be Think Tank, the spoken yeah. word records, yeah. And I would always go with Dead Silence because I think that's the all encompassing all band record, yeah. You can't, if you want to get a, a solid picture of what this band was always about, that's the record, yeah, to get because it just it's everything that they were condensed into one. And then, of course, you go with Damage by Black Flag, uh, yeah, because yeah. that is him and his visceral, rawest, angriest best, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is when he was. You know, ready to take on the world and fight, and you can see the career progression. You listen to Damage, and you listen to Other Science, and you listen to Think Tank, and then you, you know you go online, and you listen to the things he's doing now. You listen to his podcast, and you you watch spoken word stuff he's doing. Yeah, because there's, there's an Amazon special you can watch on Prime. You know, you see on RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, there's a massive <laughs> personal evolution, and it, it's it's like what Muhammad Ali said. You know, if you see if you show me a man who's the same at twenty as he is at fifty. I will show you a man who's wasted his life. Because yeah, yeah. You, there is a massive personal evolution. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm still a dickhead now, right? But I'm not as massive as a dickhead as I was when I was 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very much so. I agree. Thanks very much, old chum. I, 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 I appreciate the vote of fervent confidence. I'm whacking my, honestly, my big size 12. I just... Yeah, so I, I, I don't give a fuck. You're right. <laughs> I, I was a complete prick. No, I mean from my personal standpoint. Because, yeah. Yeah, you know, you do, you do change, and it's nice to see that evolution from Wacken and Rollins. Mm. It's been that part of your work, and, and you're such a part of it for so long. He just speaks so much sense as well, doesn't he? 
Yeah. The world seems simpler when you listen to Rollins. That's because when you break it down, the world really is simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All you have to realise about the world is it's full of bellends. Yeah, yeah. And they are best avoided. Yeah. Absolutely best avoided. Bellends over there, I'll do my thing over here. You know, you guys can just do your own <laughs> fucking thing, fucking move along, and I'll do my thing. And that's the way the world should be seen, yeah. I think. Yeah. I'll go with that. So, can I, that's Henry Rollins. That's Henry in a nutshell. Henry in a nutshell. Hi, this is James from Widows, and you're listening to the Mass Movement Podcast, you lucky devils. So, uh, all we got to do now is shout out to Tim. Hi, Nate, Kanan, <laughs> Nathan Beanman. That was, it was an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Thank you for being on. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Engineer Records, as ever, for sponsoring our terrible little podcast and keeping us, you know, entertained and keeping us able to do this. <laughs> yeah. Tiny Rebel for making funk Fizzy cola bottle sour because it oh, is. Oh, that was good. It is. It was the, really nice. It's the big boobies. I wish you <laughs> it's, it's a big boobies of sours. I wish you bought more. I wish Tiny Rebel send us more. Well, I wish Tiny Rebel send us some too. But unfortunately, cans. until they do, we've got to spend our hard earned cash on it. I know. You know. They're going to make me go broke. Don't make me go broke. Please, sir. <laughs> Please, Tiny Rebel, can we have some more? <laughs> Don't do the Victorian workouts thing for Tiny Rebel. Send us beer. We will talk, <laughs> we will talk massive praise about you and, you know. Flagellate you and <laughs> things. And finally, one last uh, shout out and a big RIP to Chug. Oh, man. Yeah, we'll see you soon, Chug. Yeah. The rest is better. Save oh. a seat for us in Valhalla and we'll come and go off mead and ale with you one time. <laughs> and okay. that's it then, Tim. Yep. I shall see you soon. Yes, you will. Off we fuck. Ta ta. Bye bye. Movement possess. Movement possess. 